You have now arrived at Stadium Engale. and girls ladies and gents welcome to another episode of stadium miguel it's uncle silk it's your boy 35 all american and captain dan how y'all boys doing man what's the vibes like what's up what's up fellas what's up daniel not much he came back from a uh from a, a social distanced uh, weekend up in nashville when i was up there on thursday through uh through yesterday so enjoyed my time up there shout out to my boys that uh my boy Taylor, his his wife's having a a baby in a couple weeks, so we we're up there to celebrate that. So, a good time. Wore masks, but we went out on the lake. We took the boat out, all that kind of fun stuff. So, good time up in Nashville. Very different than normal, but but still a good time. They must listen to the show because y'all had the pontoon. They must took my advice. They sure <laughs> did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they know. So yeah, no, we, had a, we had a double decker pontoon with a uh, with a slide. It was definitely the way to go. <laughs> and that pontoon is definitely devised. Amar, what you got into this weekend, man? Nah, man, I went down to, uh, to St. Pete, man. I went to the in-laws' house, so I hung out down there for a little bit, and um, I woke up Saturday or Sunday morning, you know, uh, to go to the gym, and, you know, I seen that they had a, a mandatory mask. Uh, you got to wear a mask down there in, in Pinella, so I'm like, all right, well, make sure I have my mask, and I go to Anytime Fitness, and I'm the only person in there, so I didn't have to wear, I wear a mask. Yeah, you had your own person in the gym. That ain't bad. Yeah, I ain't wear the mask, man. I don't know. I don't know about working out wearing a mask. That ain't, that ain't my forte. Gotta give a big thank you, man, for uh pulling up and, and signing my man Tice. We got Tice a uh, a Gator jerseys, and we getting all the Polk Polk County uh Gators to sign it for him, man. So I appreciate you pulling up on um on my man's and and, and signing that for him. Yeah, for sure. You know, the least I can do, man, is just you know that's a sad situation. You know, uh, it, it, it sucks. So. Uh, the least I can do, man, is is is, is sign my name on on the jersey, man. You know, uh, condolences go out to the family. Absolutely, man. Um, yeah, I was pretty chill this weekend. I uh, went to to Tyson's uh, service on Friday. He's going away service on Friday. After that, it was just pretty much just chill all weekend. A lot of relaxation and, and just kicking it with family, man. I didn't get into to too much. A lot of TV watch. And that's about it, man. I can tell you this: it was hot as hell. Oh, it's next level hot, bro. No, it's like it's. I feel like it's hotter than any other summer, bro. It's hot, bro. Definitely. Yeah, I don't know what's going on outside, but I don't. I, I like to take my son to work out. We haven't been going heading to the park till it's about seven o'clock, yeah, and it's bro. still blazing at seven o'clock, dog. Yeah. Like it's, it's it's next level out there. Yeah, you guys need to just get out on the water. There's a nice breeze. There's a nice ten foot or ten, uh, <laughs> ten mile an hour breeze today. Uh, I took it out for about an hour and a half earlier today. Uh, a nice breeze out there, so I don't know what you guys are talking about. Hey, Dan, you know, yes, black, you know, having the black people when, when they've been in the sun for a long time? Um, I, I think I know the answer, but I'm not going to say it. I've well, learned a couple dark, things over the last few weeks. Black, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, ain't too much getting out on the water for me, Dan, all right? Yeah, Silk and his buddy Dan said the exact same thing last week or a couple weeks ago when we hung out. People got to read my tattoos, Dan. I can't get that. I actually work on my tan every now and then, man. You can never be too. There you go. There you go. (laughs) But I I, 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 I meant to put on sunscreen, though. I got called every every name under the sun growing up. So 
kind of like it scarred me a little bit. It's all good, man. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Well, let's get into the show, boys. Um, this episode, as always, is sponsored by our good friends uh, over at the the Thomas Firm. You have friends over at the Thomas Firm call. Uh, anything uh, related to, uh, to to roofing or housing or business, give them a call. Uh, anything to do with your insurance, definitely give them a call. Uh, you can reach them at 813-221-2525. Again, 813-221-2525. Again, anything uh, related to property damage, homes, businesses, uh, give them a call. 20 years of experience. Plus, uh, combined, we've had Ned on. Adam Lewis is a big supporter of our show. Uh, but anything related to, to water damage, hail damage, hurricane damage, that's coming up. So give them a call. Again, 813-221-2525 or visit them at the Thomas Firm. Dot com. All right, boys, not a ton in Gator news. This happened last week, uh, or they announced, I, I think, t- last Tuesday when we dropped the show, uh, but 11 Gators tested positive for the coronavirus. Um, I would imagine since then there has been more, but nothing has been reported. Uh, thoughts? Uh, did they say football players or fall athletes? They just, said, um, they just athletes. said athletes, and they didn't say yeah. if any were symptomatic or asymptomatic. Yeah. Yeah, man. I just, I guess it's just wait and see, see more with all of this stuff, man. So I really don't have a reaction to it either way. Uh, I would like to know who those players are if there's any football players, but they're not gonna tell us that. So, right. Well, I guess that goes in right in, and obviously we we can't really opine much other than that's just a fact, right? That's just something that happened a week ago that they announced it. Uh, But, but because of that, uh, this is kind of a a different story. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago or last week with the Patriot league, which is a a football league up in the Northeast. uh, And they talked about limiting air travel or no air travel, traveling by bus, no overnight trips, et cetera. The Ivy league is now considering uh, announcing uh, and pushing their fall uh, football schedule into the spring uh, so that's something that we've certainly talked about. Uh, there's two other colleges that have already announced that they're not going to have any athletics this, uh, this fall. Uh, Williams College is one of them uh, up there in the Northeast, uh, and Bowden is the other one. Um, so do you guys think that that's something that we're going to see? Um, do you think that this is the, the beginning of moving football into the spring, or do you think that this is, based on what we know today, um, just going to be an isolated uh, situation. It's, it's just weird to tell because, you know, when we're even mentioning football in the spring, you got to deal with guys that's going to the draft that, man, I'm not I'm not going out there in the spring when I'm supposed to be getting ready for the draft. You get what I'm saying? So it, it's, it's a weird situation. Um, it just sucks right now because I feel like, you know, it's still happening. The numbers are still staggering to where it's like, oh, shit, do we start the season or do we not? You know what I'm saying? Um, do we play with fans or do we not? So, I, again, I think it's the unknown that we're dealing with that uh, people don't know and, and, and it makes it hard for it. I do think that um, the smaller leagues are fine with going to spring, right? Even if, like, even if they were healthy, if there's no fans in the stands of those smaller leagues, they're not making no revenue. They're just spending money. Like, what's the point of it? You know what I'm saying? So I understand some of those smaller leagues shutting it down now because – if they can't have fans in the stands, like it just doesn't make sense financially. Right. So um, I get why they they shutting it down now, and how the bigger conferences are trying to just wait this out and, and see how it all plays out. They're kind of just going like football is going to happen, man. So uh, I don't think the spring thing works for the big boy leagues. Like like Ahmad was saying, like guys like Trevor Lawrence, the big time players, like, and then you still have snow. 
on the ground in a lot of these states as far yep. as like you, so I, I just don't know if a spring works yeah, but, um, uh, the Ivy League said that if they're going to play in the spring, they're going to play in April or May, which means certainly any player that would go to the NFL draft or be eligible for the NFL draft right. certainly is not going to play. They've also announced that they might consider a seven-game season that would wrap up right before Thanksgiving would be only uh, intra-conference. Um, so, you know, that's that's certainly an option, too. The Ivy League, again, hasn't announced that they're going to do that, but that uh, looks like that's something that they are leaning towards. So, yeah, now I'm curious, too. I think right now the way that everything is, is rising, I, I don't see a way that, that college football gets played in the fall. Um, I think that there's going to be a, a lot of changes uh, between now and then uh, for, for that to even be a possibility. Hey, Speaking I'm of, optimistic. We'll see. That's yeah. all. Yeah. I mean, there, there's not much that we can do other than do our part, wear right. your mask, do all that, and and you know, wear your mask so we can have football in the uh, in the fall. Uh, so uh, another another big thing, and this isn't necessarily Florida related, but certainly college football related. Uh, the sports site sportsbettingdime.com out there in Las Vegas uh, is starting to project. Uh, average fan attendance in uh, college football for uh, this um, for this upcoming season, uh, and right now they think that on average the SEC as a whole, and there's there's no announcement for Florida. They didn't list Florida as one of their schools. Uh, that they think the SEC on average is going to average thirty two thousand seven hundred twenty five uh, people at each game, uh, which is a fifty five percent decline from twenty nineteen, where seventy two thousand seven hundred twenty three uh, over under. Do you think the average SEC game this year has more than 32,725 fans or less than 32,725 fans? Um, that's not about <laughs> right, bro. <laughs> um, but it, it, that's if there are fans. I just, I just see it super hard right now. To everybody, you got to come up with with uh, stadium plans. How they going to enter the stadium? How they going to you know leave the stadium? How they going to be in the stadium? You got to understand too when alcohol is involved. It's, this whole plan is, is, is intensifies. So, um, you know, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure how they're gonna, gonna make this happen. Although I do want it to happen, I, I want to see football. Um, I, I just, yeah, of course. Uh, so, so you, so you think uh, lower if, just because you don't think that there's gonna be fans? Yeah. In, if in the, if, the if there are fans, I think about around that number. Okay. Yeah, if I'm betting, I'm betting on the low. Yeah, yeah I'm definitely bad. going on low. Because I don't think they're gonna just let full capacity people just walk into these stadiums, dog. Right. So like I would go on the under on that one if, if I was a betting man. I agree. Yeah, I, I I don't think that there's gonna be fans, and if there are, I think that they're gonna probably keep them. I think UF at max would have twenty thousand fans at max that they would allow, unless something drastically changes over the last next couple weeks. But you have to imagine that schools have to start putting, you know, that plan in place probably in the next 16, 17 days, probably by the middle of July, uh, they probably have to plan and have a plan in place in terms of, you know, printing tickets, creating logistics, hiring people, you know, to work ops and all that stuff. I mean, you, you just wait until the end of August to make that decision on what you're going to do uh, and everything else. And then that's going to drastically affect a lot these college towns, you know, Gainesville is fortunate that they have a lot of events and they have a lot of people that are going to come up, but you know, Gainesville is going to get pretty hard, but you have to imagine that a lot of these schools that really, 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 you know, kind of solely rely on the college, um, you know, playing games, you know, I think of cities like Tuscaloosa, um, you know, I think of cities like Athens, right. That don't really have much else going on in terms of innovation, oh business, et cetera. Yeah. You know. Let them suffer a little bit. I don't mind them two towns suffer. 
um so yeah so the sec is the uh conference that they predicted the the lowest percentage decline uh the big 10 had a they they're projecting a 59 percent decline the acc they're projecting a 58 percent decline they're they're envisioning the acc averaging right over uh 20 000 fans uh in attendance at every game so i i really want to know how many fans miami's gonna have or maybe because they already social distance every game it won't be a uh won't be an issue. About uh, 175 people. <laughs> uh, the Big 12 right. at um, 27,000. Uh, and then the Pac-12 at just under 12,000 fans per game. So. I like it, man. Um, yeah. I want to get my man Connor on the hangout. Connor Clark from Rivals to come okay. kick it with us and talk about what he's seen this weekend. It was a little bit. It was a little 707 and some football happening. Okay, okay. On the, on the high school level, man, we had some recruits out there, man. So let's get Connor Clark from Rivals to kick it with us. And let's do it. Talk about what he's seen. And our first guest is sponsored by our friends over at Roof Soldier. Give Roof Soldier a call at one eight seven seven roofs fl or visit their website at roofsoldier.com. Whether you need an inspection, whether you need a roof replacement, uh, to your tile, shingle, metal, flat roof, whatever it might be, to your business or your home, give our friends over at Roof Soldier a call. Again, that's one eight seven seven roofs fl or visit their web- website at roofsoldier.com. Roof Soldier is also giving a donation for every roof that they build uh, to a veteran uh, charity or to a veteran in need. So again, give them a call. Uh, it is hurricane season. It's going to be an active hurricane season. So make sure that your roof is all set and ready to go. They have free roof inspections as well. So again, one eight seven seven roofs l fl and remember uh, the first 10 callers to roof soldier for a free inspection and mention stadium and gail are going to receive 200 off their roof replacement once they enter into a contract so again friends over at roof soldier give them a call let's get connor on you have now arrived at stadium and gail First time on the show, we got my man Connor Clark from Rivals. My dog, Connor, what's going on, man? What's going on, guys? How you doing? We just hanging out, kicking it, man. Talking a little Gator news, Gator sports, man. We got a little football action this weekend. What exactly was you at this weekend uh, with 707 event? Uh, where were you at? Yeah, man. So I was at the uh, what they call the Battle Royale 707 here in Orlando. Uh, put on just uh, Saturday and Sunday out at Austin Tyndall Park. Technically, it's it's in Kissimmee, but they say Orlando because it's easier to loop that. Um, but it was good, man. F- finally got to get back out there, see a little bit of football played, even though it's just seven on seven. It still kind of fed that little, that little need for football in my life. Yeah, scratch that itch a little bit. Who, yeah, for sure. Which Gators did you see out there? Uh, so Gator I got to see Kinnett. a couple Gators out there. I got to see a couple Gators out there. Dakota Mitchell showed up on Sunday. He was not there on Saturday. Um, and then Saturday was Charles Montgomery and Jordan Young, who both play on Team Tampa. Now, right, what did you think about each one of them? Uh, Jordan, honestly, didn't get, really get thrown at that much out there. He's a super physical kid. Um, he's somebody that has to get a little bit better with his footwork and his technique because he just relies on his ability to be stronger than the off, the uh, opposing receiver. But when, when you see Charles Montgomery in person, it's special. Kid's super quick, super explosive in and out of his breaks. Uh, Florida got a really good one in 
and Charles. Yeah, I like all the clips I've seen that you posted from him. I like it, man. Like the way he set up his routes, uh, how explosive he is. He's smooth. He looks pretty polished for uh, for a guy coming out that um, at coming out of that stage. Uh, what do you think he can improve on? Uh, biggest thing he's going to need to improve on, honestly, and it's it's being a little nitpicking. Um, is his, his just nuances in and out of his out running head or route running, I should say, head fakes, um, setting up his defender where he's stemming him outside to break back inside. But right. he's he was far more polished than I expected him to be when I went out there, especially for a kid that's played so many different positions in high school. Connor, talk to us about some of the other prospects. There is a guy named Sam. Is it Mbake or Mbakey or whatever? Talk so, to us about so him. His, la- his last name is pronounced Bake. The M is silent. Oh, of course it is. Um, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, Sam. Sam's a super big physical kid. Uh, he's 2022 prospect. That's already six foot three, 195 pounds, um, and he's actually cut about 10 to 15 pounds in the last three to four months, he told me. Nice. Um, but he's one of those kids that I'm sure you guys saw from the clips, if you paid attention, that you can just throw a jump ball up to in the red zone, and he's going to go up and grab it. Um, 50-50 ball kind of guy. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's actually very smooth, though. Um, when I saw him running uh, routes, he's got to get a little bit better, like I said, with uh, Charles and setting up his defender the right way, stemming inside, outside to break. Um, but other than that, he's, he's done a good job over the last few months of improving his route running. Um, and he's got, he's got really strong hands. He catches pretty much everything thrown his way. Where does he rank? I mean, rank some of your, your top playmakers, just looking down at, at the videos that you had, uh, it looked like Christian Leary, uh, Alabama commit, uh, had a great, uh, had a great weekend. It looks like Charles Montgomery had some good weekends and it looks like that Sam, uh, Bakey, Baki, sorry, uh, Baki, that he had a good weekend. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so to who, who else uh, stood out? Um, anybody else that the Gators are looking at or, or should be looking at? Uh, first and foremost, the, the kid that stood out above everybody else was Christian Leary. Um, I hate to say that because he's an Alabama commit, but he, he's just so much faster than everybody else out there on the field. And even at five, nine, I think is what he stands about he's still going up over kids because of how good of an athlete he is catching balls over top of them. And, um, but between him, I think Charles Montgomery would probably be next. Uh, he's just super quick. And even when he didn't get the ball thrown his way, he was wide open, like 75% of the time The team started having to put safeties over top of him. And then I'd say Sam was probably right after that. All right, Connor. I want to I want to switch gears uh, to the other big recruiting event that's going on uh, here pretty soon, and that's the Elite Eleven. The Gators technically have two uh, commits that are playing in that. One is a football commit, and that's uh, Carlos uh, Del Rio. But then they also have um, a baseball commit, Jay Allen, uh, that's that's playing in that as well. He's a three-star quarterback. Uh, what are the chances? Do you know if – I know Florida has two quarterbacks committed. Do, do you know if Florida's talking to Jay Allen at all? And, and what should we Shit, expect we going to. into the 11? I didn't know this. Should we need to? Like, what the hell? Yeah, right. so, so go ahead, Carl. No, no, you're good, man. You're good. Um, so Jay Allen is a very interesting story. Um, obviously, he's been committed to Florida almost two years now for baseball. 
Um, and he said from the very beginning, his, his dream growing up was always to play baseball in Florida. Now, now that he's hit a growth spurt, he went from, uh, I think he was listed at six, one, about 170 pounds. He's actually up to six, three, one ninety now. Um, so he had a bit of a growth spurt and he had put together a pretty solid junior film. So a lot of teams, and especially with this elite 11 invite now, teams are starting to take notice. Um, so he's been reached out to by Miami, Penn State, a couple other schools um, with regards to his ability to play football. Now, um, we spoke to him quite a while ago before this all developed, and he said he did reach out to the Florida football staff and was talking about possibly walking onto the football team as well. Now, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar, though, with how uh, scholarship works with Division One football is if the, kid, football. if the kid plays football, he automatically takes up a football scholarship. Right. So he's no longer on scholarship for baseball. So that's going to be something that Dan Mullen and his staff are going to have to pay close attention to because, like you said, Dan, with two quarterbacks already committed and this kid, if he even steps foot on a football practice field, he's on a, he's on a football scholarship. Is it, does he want to play baseball or does he want to play football? Like, What's his preference? Is he, is he going to give football a shot or is he a better baseball player and going to stick with that? So he's actually a top 15 baseball player in the country. Oh, yes, yeah, a wrap. He ain't playing no football. Is he just, <laughs> you think he's going to go to major leagues? I mean, if I'm him – I mean, I, I was just looking at his like perfect, I'm uh, a perfect game account. Baseball player, I'm He's, not touching no pitch skin. Yeah. So his so his, his perfect game rating, which is the kind of the authority for baseball rankings, um, he's the number eleven player in the country, and I think he's the number four outfielder in the country. Mm. Um, with that being said, he has mentioned that he might want to try playing both at the next level, um, but with with that kind of ranking. Like like you said, so you you have to go take your money in baseball. Oh, now, absolutely, especially because well, he's going to probably get what a couple million dollar signing bonus. Oh, easy. If, so yeah, well, if he was to go, <laughs> let's be real. There's nothing, there's nothing to discuss if, here with this guy. <laughs> like, if he was to, if he was to go like say number ten in the draft, he'd get five to six million dollars um, yeah, out of high school. It. But so um, Hector, who covers the baseball. Uh, portion at Gators territory. I was actually speaking to him about Jay Allen about a month ago. And he said, there's a lot of um, major league coaches that want to see him go play college ball mm. because he's super athletic, but he's also super raw. Mm. Gotcha. So they want to, they want to see him develop at the college level. So that could be something where if major league teams don't want to take a chance on him, there's a couple kids, um, a couple classes ago, Maurice Hampton who signed at LSU um, and Jerry and Ely, who signed with Ole Miss, both were first-round baseball prospects. But because MLB teams knew they wanted to play football, they didn't draft them. Um, so that could be a similar situation here with Jay Allen. And if he does show a big interest in, in football and wanting to play at the next level, I think it might be somewhere other than Florida. Because uh, Coach Kevin O'Sullivan is not big on guys playing two sports at Florida. Um, and I don't know that Dan Mullen would take a third quarterback in this class, and we all know he doesn't like to uh, yeah. like to drop kids. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't even know the last time a kid was it Riley Cooper was the last one that played both, and he what didn't even do it at that high of a level. Both. I think you'd have to go back to yeah. like Gavin Dickey. Yeah, yeah. Gavin Dickey. Um, yeah. I was about to say Dickey. 
Um, yeah, you'd, I think you'd have to go back to Gavin Dickey to find somebody that did it both at, and were, were highly regarded in both. All right. Hmm. Well, anyway, tell, tell us about what we should expect out of Carlos Del Rio then. All right. Uh, so Carlos Del Rio is uh, somebody that's been working a lot in the offseason with uh, Quincy Avery, a really well-known quarterback developer, uh, coaches Emory Jones, uh, coaches Justin Fields, all in the Georgia area. Um, so he's been working with him in order to get to that next level, um, to get to the Elite 11. He stands at about 6'3 now, I think, 205. Um, and he's developed his passing game a lot over the last, uh, what has it been, six months since the offseason or so. Um, but I think he'll do well. I don't think he'll be, and this is purely objective standpoint, I don't think he'll be one of the top five guys there. Um, you've got so many big names that are there, but I think he will show people that he's developed further as a passer uh, than what his junior film might suggest. Uh, what's what's the latest on my man Leonard Manuel, um, the Vanguard wide receiver that we're still waiting to see if he's going to qualify, get in? Um, you got any updates? So the the last I'd heard on that was we're still waiting on the NCAA clearinghouse. Um, he's a kid that. W- he's transferred so many times to so many different schools that it's going to be a nightmare to try to get him through the clearinghouse, um, which so you and I have talked about that before. Um, so I, right. I think it's something where if that doesn't happen, you could see him go Juco and uh, we'll see what happens from there. But there's really not been anything set in stone or any new news since I'd say about a month ago. I I've seen a couple of tweets flew out from him, so he I don't know like like when they do this type of stuff, like they got like a heads up from somebody like things looking good or what. But he sent out a couple of tweets. Uh, I think he's feeling optimistic about the situation, man. So I guess we just wait and see, Mo. We'll see. I guess in the next week or so. Yeah, man. If he, if he's somebody that they can get on campus, that instantly boosts your room. He was a five star kid before everything went down. And that's that's an elite level talent getting on getting on your team that you might not have expected to be there. Absolutely. Him, Frazier's and Xavier Henderson's an elite hall, man. I uh, appreciate you for hanging out with us, Connor. Yeah, man. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. Already, man. We got to make Connor a, reg- a regular on here, bro. Come kick it. Talk all the stuff a mod don't want to talk. Recruiting and. I don't know what the boys got going on. So. I don't even think they know at this at this point. No, I don't think anybody knows. This is why you just have to Google stuff, you know. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't know, bro. The boys be flip flopping. Yeah, that's curious. I, I I didn't know much about this Jay Allen guy until I, I read that he was a baseball commander. I was like, oh, that's weird. Uh, and then I started looking at his perfect game score uh, when we were uh, when we were here. So Yeah, thanks. Uh, I'm wasting our time. You knew he was good in baseball before we got into No, no, no. I didn't I didn't know until after I asked the question. Then it, it said that he threw a fastball in the 96 mile an hour or yeah, 96 percentile. I'm like, oh, this guy's gone. Yeah, and then to see here. <laughs> Very good. Well, let's get uh, somebody that does know uh, what they're talking about on to the uh, to the show. We're going to get uh, uh, assistant executive uh, athletic director Chip Howard. That's the third of the fourth. We're working on Jay Jacobs. Uh, so give give uh, give Chip Howard a call. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Joining us for the first time on Stadium and Gale 
as executive associate athletic directors for internal affairs. Chip Howard, Chip, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Long time listener, first time caller. Well, we appreciate that. And we appreciate that. Chip, you went to college in Rhode Island. You're from Massachusetts. uh, And and I look at your bio and it says the first job you ever had working for the UAA was in the golf course pro shop. So I've got a bunch of questions on how a guy from the Northeast ends up in the pro shop in Gainesville and then ultimately uh, as an executive associate uh, AD. Talk to us a little bit about your story, my friend. So my brother, way back in the day, my brother was assistant baseball coach here in the late 80s and early 90s. And when I got out of college, I played college baseball in Rhode Island. When I got out of college, I came down to visit him. And, you know, to be honest with you guys, I just fell in love with this place. You know, up in New England, where I grew up, it's a pro town. Every town's a pro town. You know, New York, you know, uh, Connecticut, um, Massachusetts. It's just pro. It's a college football scene college sports scene is just not nearly what it is down here in the sec and i just fell in love with the place and so uh, um i love what they were doing i love the energy and my brother said well just come why don't you come down and you know move in with me and uh, my buddy's the associate ad i'll get you an interview you could just talk to him and at the time that was jeremy foley and so i came down moved down with my brother i was selling a little real estate and i just used to i used to go into jeremy's office like every three months just I bugged the crap out of him and said, Hey, you have anything? You have anything? He said, no, I don't have anything. I have anything. And then one day in 1989, we were hosting the SEC uh, baseball tournament and the NCAA baseball tournament. And he saw me one day and he goes, you know, I do have something. I need somebody to, to run the cleanup, cleanup crew after every game. And so I said, sign me up. So I had three square meals a deal, day and all area passed. And I, I had a, a group of kids that I helped clean up the stadium in between all the games and um, about a week later Speegs moved from the golf course up to the stadium to work in operations that opened up a spot at the golf course and um, based on my stellar trash picking up talent I got a job at the golf course and uh, that's been my, my story right there. That's awesome, man. How did you so from talk to us the story about getting from the uh, the pro shop uh, up into the uh, I guess the offices over there at Ben Hill Griffin, and, and then talk about your rise because you've been at Florida for a very very long time. I know you left for a couple years a few years ago, uh, but came back. But you've yep. been at Florida for the better part of of thirty years now. So talk to us uh, about what kind of your ascension looked like from there. Yeah, I mean when I worked at the golf course, I was always volunteering uh, up in the stadium whether that be a football, you know, every football game, every basketball game, just wanted to be around it and um, just wanted to help out any way I could. And, but the golf course was one of the best jobs I had. I loved it working down there. It was, you know, 40 hours a week in the pro shop, um, but I knew I wanted more. And so I just kept volunteering and it had an uh, opening after four years of the opening um, in the operation facilities department that I applied for and got. And from there, I was just able to continually get more, um, um, more and more opportunities um, to oversee more and more departments. And I was in auxiliary services for a while, which is operations facilities, but also um, concessions, sports shops, licensing, and the golf course, oversaw the golf course. was able to be around a lot of um, great projects, facility projects over the years, and um, just kept working hard. And, you know, Jeremy gave me the opportunity. And he was a great mentor and a great friend of mine. And, um, you know, I owe everything I have to that guy. And I was just, you know, my number one goal in life um, when I was working here was to be like right next to his office, you know, and just 
to, you know, help him any way I could. And when Greg McGarity left in 2010 to go to the University of Georgia to be the athletic director, um, I had an opportunity to move into his office and it was right next to Jeremy's and, you know, the rest was history. I loved every minute of it. And, you know, it never felt like work. It still doesn't, you know, it just doesn't feel like work. I just, you know, love everything about it. And obviously I fell in love with the University of Florida in Gainesville and I, you know, raised my family here and it's just been, it's been a true blessing. And, and, you know, I, I couldn't ask for anything more. I had a little hiccup a couple of years ago, but I'm back. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you back. Uh, one of the big things that you've seen, obviously, over the last 30 years that you've been associated with the athletic department is is obviously Florida's kind of meteoric rise from kind of being a, a good, you know, athletic department to, a, you know, an outstanding one, one of the best in the country, uh, obviously consistently winning, you know, SEC, you know, all sports awards, competing constantly for for national sports awards. But one of the big things that we've seen is obviously some some huge capital improvements uh, happen at the University of Florida, whether it's with the O'Connor Center, uh, Ben Hill Griffin, the new baseball stadium. Talk to us a little bit about what you've seen over the last 30 years. And then, you know, is there any difference that you've seen from obviously working with Jeremy Foley so closely uh, and now working with Scott Strickland when it comes to capital improvement and kind of the way that they tackle those projects. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I I've seen you know in a, in a, a, a huge number of, of um, capital improvements during during my time, and I think you know Jeremy, you know, fairly or unfairly, kind of got labeled a little bit towards the end of his career as not keeping up with the, with the uh, with facilities, and I, I really think that um, that's probably a, a little bit uh, misleading. Um, I think the commitment was always there to have the best facilities that we could have. Um, you know, if you look at, you know, the mid 2000s, you know, we put $55 million into the West stadium expansion with, you know, the clubs and the suites and everything else. And then, you know, three years later, we opened up, you know, the Hebner center for football with offices and the expanded weight room and, you know, on and on. There was, there was always a project going on, always a project going on. Maybe what we didn't do a great job of is publicizing that. Um, you know, we didn't do a lot of groundbreakings. We didn't do a lot of ribbon cuttings. We just kind of get after it and went to work. And where we needed it, no matter what sport it was, um, whether that's a lacrosse stadium you know, or indoor tennis complex or renovating the golf course, um, you know, like we did in the early 2000s, whatever that coach needed, that program needed, you know, we, we found a way to get that done. And so um, I, th- I, don't, I think there's a, a real um, – close similarity between Jeremy and, and Scott. Um, I like to tell the story that um, they both have the same moral compass. And I think that's really, really important in a, in a position of leadership, particularly in college athletics. Um, I think Scott's much more in tune maybe to the external side. Um, and Jeremy was really focused on the internal side, um, if that makes any sense. Um, and they're both great ways of, of leading, um, but two different ways. And I think that you know, nowadays with social media and um, a lot of that that goes on um, throughout social media on the on the ex- external side, I think Scott's really in tune with that, and I think that's been a that's been a um, a really bright spot for for him and for us as an athletic department to have someone leading the way and helping us navigate that. So, um, but but I th- I think we we've, we've been building great great facilities all all along, and and maybe just didn't get maybe the like I said the credit that Jeremy was due there. Is the time frame uh, still the same on the new facility we're building now with the football standalone? Yeah. So right now um, we're about ready to get cranked up with demo in two weeks. So it's going to be, um, you know, Sayonara to McKeithen Stadium, which has been, been an outstanding uh, baseball facility um, for 32 years. But that, um, 
the wrecking ball is going to come to that. And that clears the path for the new facility to go right, um, you know, right, right adjacent to the indoor. And um, so I said that starts in two weeks and should take about four months. And then we can break ground on the, um, on the football training center. Nice. Now you were the guy that identified uh, coach Kevin O'Sullivan when we was looking for a baseball coach. Uh, What, what made you identify him? What made you like him and what's your relationship with him now? Well, you know, um, when we were looking for a coach, um, you know, Jeremy and I always kind of said, and I, I knew this from my, my early days because my brother was a baseball coach and my brother got fired um, from here. You know, when, when Joe Arnold got fired, he was, he was part of that coaching staff. So, I mean, I understood the tough decisions that have to be made. And we both kind of agreed, Jeremy and I, that there's no reason why Miami and FSU could go to the NCAA tournament every single year, but we weren't. And so, you know, we, we looked at a blueprint of a coach that was going to be a tireless recruiter, had a pitching background, and, knew the, and was young and knew the state of Florida. And I just kind of started talking to umpires. I talked to other coaches. I talked to, to conference personnel. Um, I took the scouts. Every scout I knew I talked to. And one name that kept coming back was Kevin O'Sullivan. Kevin O'Sullivan. The same thing was every time I go to a, a baseball tournament, the first guy there and the last guy there is Kevin O'Sullivan. He is like a tireless recruiter. So it stuck in my mind. And so as I started doing research on him, I found out, you know, he grew up in, in uh, you know, Stewart, Florida. Um, you know, went to junior college here in the state. Um, was Jack Leggett's number one recruiter when Clemson was going to the College World Series every single year. And, um, and we made a call. And, I, you know, I had a chance to fly up and interview him. Um, funny story, I, I was supposed to go up one day to interview him. And we had hellacious thunderstorms, both here and up in Clemson. I called him up. I said, you know, Kevin, Chip Howard from University of Florida. Sorry, I'm not going to be able to come up and get you today, but I can come up and get you tomorrow. The weather's too bad. The pilots don't want to fly. He goes, I'll jump into my car right now. I'll be down there. I I could be there in eight hours. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I said, I I appreciate it. it. Yeah, I appreciate it, but I'll be up, you know, first thing tomorrow morning and pick you up and, and, and bring you back to games going. So right from then, you know, I remember I walked into Jeremy's office after that and I said, this guy's pretty, he's ready, you know, he's ready. And we, we thought we had a, um, a good up and comer, but, you know, you know, coaching searches are an inexact science. And, uh, you know, I'd be lying to say that, you know, it was, it was, you know, something that I was going to foresee the success that he's had. I did know that he was got, he's going to be a really good, hardworking, hard recruiting guy. And he knew, really knows his pitching. And that's turned out to be, he's an unbelievable evaluator of talent really is and so um and so my relationship now with sully is is great you know it's great it's we picked up right where we left off before um you know i was i was hopeful when you know i talked to scott about coming back um i didn't want to put any pressure but you know i think he knew that you know i really really liked working with sully and i liked the sport of baseball and, and he gave me the opportunity to go back and work with him again so that was really one of the toughest conversations i had when i when i decided to leave to go to tailgate guys was having to you know, walk down there, talk to him about it. It was just tough. It was just tough. He's a, he's a great guy. I love him. What was that experience like? You was a COO, COO at uh, Tailgate Guys. What was that experience like? What, what made you come back to college football? 
Yeah, it was good. Um, you know, it was, um, I had known those guys, there's two, two buddies from, from Auburn, Alabama that started the company, uh, when they graduated from Auburn and they had been partners with us for four years. And so I, I knew them really well. And, um, and I'll be honest with you, when, when Jeremy announced his retirement, um, I just kind of took that as a sign, like, you know, you know, Chip, it's time to, you know, get out, get out of your comfort zone and go do something different, you know, just go attack it. And, um, you know, I was there for 28 years. I, I mean, I had a great career there. But I just thought at the time, that, like, if I was going to make a move, that I was going to go try and do that. And the situation was perfect for me. It was really something to come in and kind of set up their culture and help run their company. And obviously, it's, you know, involved with all kinds of college football uh, on campuses, and they wanted to expand it. And I had some decent connections in, in the world of, of intercollegiate athletics. And so, um, I thought it was a really good move. Um, at the time, um, it was it was something that I didn't even look back on. The only thing I did tell Scott was I was going to regret not having the ability to work with him because I thought he was really going to do some great things. And the more I got to know him, you know, he got in here late fall and probably like two, three months later is when I made the decision to move on. Um, but it was it was a really good experience. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about my family. You know, I moved my whole family up to Auburn, Alabama. My my son was his junior in high school, going into his junior year. So that was tough. You know, it was really tough on him. But, you know, we hung in there, and we, we hung together as a family. Just felt, though, after a while, felt that it just wasn't me. I just didn't feel right. When I would go in to meet with other athletic departments, whether that was an athletic director or assistant associate athletic director, to talk about a contract on their campus, mm-hmm. I always felt like I was on the wrong – I always felt like I was on the wrong side of the table. Like right. we would sit on one side of the table and the, and the administrators would sit on the other. And every time I went in there, I'm like, that's the side of the table I want to be on. That's my life. And that's what I, I love to do. And I just kind of knew that. And I said, well, let's, let's go back to Florida. My son really wanted to do a senior at Buholtz. He was a baseball player. And I said, I said, let's go back. So we just packed up and said, Hey guys, it's not for me. Um, and I left tailgate guys and came back here and bought a house here in, in uh, Gainesville and, I, you know, I didn't know what the future was going to bring. And so I just knew my, my family needed to come back here. And so that's what we did. And, you know, I worked for a while over at the foundation as a consultant for capital projects. And, you know, next thing you know, you know, Laird gets the job at Memphis and Scott gives me a call and here we go again. Hey, Chip, talk about, you know, coming to Florida, um, you guys first, you know, first getting around here, um, your first gator game i know that's a experience that a lot of people um have different stories about and whatnot and, and uh you know they, they all explain it differently but talk about your first gator game your first baseball game possibly and, and your first basketball game well you know my first football game that i can remember was we were playing i might even been homecoming maybe 88 and herbert perry was the quarterback and we i think we were playing old miss and we we got beat we got like beat at homecoming like you know that was like sacrilegious um and i remember walking out of the stadium and i just remember how like depressed and upset every fan was that was walking out of that stadium and so i started getting that way and i'm like this is really like these are fans like this this is something to these people and it really it really i never forgot even though the team lost I think I, I think I found out more about the fans of Florida and what it means to be part of Florida football from that loss than I did 
from any win in the first couple of years. I just really felt it. It was palatable. Like, wow, this is not, this is, these people are like really upset and not like upset, like fire the coach or do anything. They were just like, man, they, and they really wanted to win. Like, kind of like passing so, up, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. just, it, it really stuck with me. First baseball game um, was in McKeithen Stadium. Actually, um, you know, right the first year it was built. Um, you know, because my brother was a coach, it, I got a couple of his tickets, and I, I went to every game that year. And, um, and actually, in 88, they went to Omaha for the first time. Um, so that, that was really exciting. And my first basketball game, I couldn't understand why, the, why it had to go through those circular doors in, um, in the O'Connell Center. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, the roof is inflated. So, so here's a funny story. So talk about the inflated roof at the Odom. So in 94, we, we, we were hosting the Rolling Stones. That year we hosted the Rolling Stones and the Gator Bowl um, at, at Ben Hill Griffin. And so I stayed back from the FSU game, and I was, I was kind of like the liaison with the athletic department with the Rolling Stones to get the stage put in and all that stuff. And so – Here's show night. We got 40,000 people ready to go in the swamp. The Rolling Stones are coming in. So they're coming into the O'Connell Center to dress down in the dressing room. To, and they created this voodoo lounge for their voodoo lounge tour. So I'm in the loading dock of the O'Connell Center. They lift up those big doors and they drive the two vans into the O'Connell Center loading dock with the stones in them. And I'm sitting there when they drive up. And, and the drummer, walk, drummer gets out. Um, Charlie Watts gets out and gets out of the van, and the wind is, like, rushing through there because of the, the air-supported roof. It's just, like, howling through there. He stopped and looked at me. He goes, why is it so bloody windy inside? And I'm like, <laughs> I got no idea, dude. I, I cannot even begin to, to, to explain it to you, but I'll show you to your dressing room right down there. He could not for the life of him remember, understand why it was so windy inside the O'Connell Center. But that's why I really – I don't remember the game I went to. I just remember that uh, – that um we had we had a big seven footer Dwayne Shintis and um yep. and the and the and the and the uh, ceiling had to be inflated. That's nuts. Hey Chip, uh, I know I know Ahmad, and I think we got the name of our show, Bloody Windy. Um, so um, <laughs> I, I know Ahmad has a, a few more questions. But I went to the Garth Brooks concert there last year. You mentioned the Rolling Stones concert. Do you think that we're going to start to see more big events back in Ben Hill Griffin? Because I know that there's been a very long hiatus since um, obviously Gator Grow. Yep, that's the goal. Um, you know, we were in discussions with the Chesney folks. Um, they decided to go to Tampa um, this, this past year. And obviously it was supposed to be in May and it got, it got postponed till next year. We've, we think we can uh, continue to talk to them about an off year trip to the swamp for, um, for Chesney. That's, that's a goal of ours. I'm not saying we can, I really think that, um, you know, a big country stars can do decent like a Garth Brooks or, maybe like a Tim McGraw. Um, and, but we're, we're absolutely, we would like to do one uh, then every other spring, not every year, but we've talked to the university. We'd like to do it every other spring, um, you know, right after the spring game. And so that's going to be our window. And, and that kind of ties into a lot of the tours that go on, particularly the big stadium tours that have been going on recently. So yeah, that's a goal of ours. Absolutely. Hey, Chip, talk about uh, the best part of being a Gator. Uh, we always have, have uh, 
Um, people who don't play football come on, and that's one of my favorite questions to ask because, you know, to me, being a Gator means a lot. Uh, you know, putting on the orange and blue, being able to go out and run on the field um, with the greatest fans every Saturday um, is it, a great feeling. So talk about, you know, from your standpoint, what does it mean to be a Gator? From my from my standpoint, um, you know, working at the University of Florida, you got a chance to be the best. It's not, not saying that you are the best. It's not saying that you're going to be the best, but you have a chance to be the best. And um, when we say, you know, a championship experience with integrity, we mean it. And that's on and off the field. And I think from, from me, the best thing about being a Gator is pride, you know, pride in, pride in the, in the, um, in the Gator head, pride in the, pride in the way we do our business, pride in the way in the, the talent and the student athletes that come through here, pride in our coaches and their ability to recruit and, and, and compete for championships. I, I think, I think I'm proud to be a Gator and I am unbelievably proud to, to wear that brand um, day in and day out. And I have been since the day I got here and it's stronger today than it was then. Hey, Chip, I don't know if it's on me or not. Hey, Chip, what's the, uh, your over Gator vision and, and, and a lot of the, um, the visuals that go on in, in marketing, uh, What's you guys plan? Yeah. Did, how much did the, the corona and everything affect you guys off season? And what's you guys plan going into the fall? First and foremost, Silk, I have to be honest, that ain't my area. And um, oh. I do know that we are in the process. That's um, Jay Jacobs, Stevie Mack, those guys oversee the Gator Vision part of that. Um, so, but I, I do know that. I've been in some meetings with those folks and like during this time is an opportunity for us to really get our brand out there and kind of rebrand some things and keep the content going. So I think that's been really, really successful, but you know, for the future, I've, I've actually, I was on, uh, I've been on some interviews uh, with, with candidates for a position there um, over the last couple of days. And I do know that, you know, the commitment we need to make and continue to make with Gator vision is as strong now as ever. And, and, um, and the, those those guys do great work over there. Great work. I can't take credit for it though. Chip, do you? Do you I think we need to update the website. Chip, do you still oversee the uh, the football scheduling? I do. Okay, perfect. So I got a bunch of questions related to that, but I'm going to ask you one. How, how does the whole process work? I guess it's a multi-pronged question. So here's my attempt at it. How does that process work? Who engages who, or how does that, those conversations usually start? And then what are you guys lo usually looking for in a partner? Because it seems like Scott Strickland's doing things a little bit different maybe than Jeremy Foley did with some of the bigger, you know, home and home series. But what do you guys look for when you're looking to partner uh, either with a school for a home and home or, or bringing a school to a uh, to Gainesville. Yeah, so you're, you're spot on. There's a little different philosophy, um, the way Jeremy um, did it and the way Scott did it, um, and, and both good ones. So basically, when I started doing it, Jeremy said, it, it's kind of like brushing your teeth. You've got to do it every day. And, and there's some truth to that. You're always talking with somebody or following up with somebody. It's, it's hard to get commitments because all these different schools are talking to a lot of different people back, you know, in, uh, you know, in say 20 years ago, 10, 20 years ago, it was, all right, you get your FCS opponent, you get, um, um, another, you know, mid-level in, in like Mac school or something. And then you got FSU every year. So, I mean, 
playing in the SEC and playing FSU every year, you know, that's a tough schedule. So we want, we're trying to get a couple of wins in there. I think lately, I think the way that college football has evolved, I think it's now you got to continue to get like good opponents for our season ticket holders. And I think that's really been the shift is let's try and do some home and home. You may have some years where you're only going to have six home games, but the six home games are going to be, you know, really, really good. And then what Jeremy started doing was the neutral site games. So the game in Dallas, Texas, and the game in Miami um, uh, against, against, excuse me, a game in Orlando against Miami, those Jeremy, Jeremy and I, you know, both helped do those, but that, that was his vision to do it. And the money, you know, nowadays, at least from those, those perspectives, you get the right partner and you get the right opponent, you know, you can significantly increase your revenue from what it would be on a home game. So you don't want to do that all the time, but that really was something that we thought, you know, would, would benefit the program, the brand, you know, obviously, and, and then the budget too. So, you know, realistically, how it works, there's a guy out uh, that has a, a program called Gridiron. His name is Dave Brown, and he used to work at ESPN. And so he, was, he would put together the games for ESPN all the time. Well, he started his own company. And so the SEC uses them, all the schools use them. And so he's got a database of everybody that does football scheduling. So basically, I'll go into a meeting, whether that's with, with Scott or somebody, and say, okay, here's the years. What do we need? What are we looking for? And then you just start plugging in maybe like 10 candidates for those years. And then you just start calling. And then you just follow up and you call and you talk and you call and you talk and you call and you talk. And before you know it, you finally get, you finally know what the, who the opponent's going to be. It fits for you. It fits with your fans. Um, it fits in their schedule. And so it's just a process. It just, it takes just time to just, you just got to stay on it and stay on it. And so, um, and so we've been able to do that. Uh, we've got some announcements here coming up at some point. We didn't want to do a whole lot during the, you know, coronavirus deal and, and seem tone deaf, but there's, there's some, some home and homes we're going to be able to announce here in the not too distant future. That'll be exciting for Gators. Oh, Perfect. Man, we'll bring you on the show to announce them. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it, uh, Chip. I, I guess looking back on your your last uh, thirty, uh, you know, one years or so uh, in Gainesville and with the Gators, what's what do you look back most fondly at, or what's your most proud uh, most proud accomplishment or achievement, or or, or maybe just a memory? Um, it, it's probably not an achievement for me. I think. My proudest was the baseball team winning the national championship, really Sully, watching Sully win the national championship. Um, you know, only, you know, we've had a lot of national championships around here and, you know, I'm never going to say one's, you know, more relevant than the other. Um, because I, I think what, what Urban did, you know, obviously what Billy did, that will never be duplicated. And that's just the ride of a lifetime that no one will ever go on. And obviously, Ahmad, you know what, what that was like. It was just, you know, you're, you're kings of college right then. And so, um, but I, I just think working hard with Sully when he first, you know, got here uh, in 2008 and um, watching him work really, really hard. It was really gratifying to see him finally win it after going to Omaha so often and, and getting to the finals um, before. Um, I, I think that was probably my, my proudest moment right now. Um, with that, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of great moments, though. But I think if one has to stick out, I think I think watching watching Kevin um, lift up that trophy in Omaha is probably it right now. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, Chip, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you this evening. Thank you so much for, for your time. I know the fans on Twitter are already a, a buzz waiting to hear uh, from you tomorrow morning. But thanks so much for your time. We we'll look forward to having you on in the okay. future. Uh, go Gators, and we'll talk to you soon. Go Gators. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Enjoy it. Thanks, thanks a lot, Chip. Chip. Thanks, Chip. Take care, man. See you. Chip Howard. <laughs> Very good interview. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was just I was just thinking uh, that's one of the best be, kind of behind the scenes interviews we've had in terms of, you know, how the sausage is made uh, right. in terms of like I had no idea about, you know, that they use a another company to schedule these home and homes or to, to, to work with these programs on on who has openings on their schedule. Um, you yeah. know, just kind of fascinating stuff. So um, but cool story. Got started in the pro shop and now is the uh, the assistant athletic director at one of the biggest uh, athletic departments in the uh, in the country. Dream big, kids. What do you guys think? You want to get another guest on? Yeah, I'm, I'm down here to kick it, man. Pause. Right. But I'm here to kick it. It's It's yeah, been a few so. weeks since we've had some players on. So, so Mod, you hooked it up. So, let's get some of your boys on. All right, man. Let's do it. And our next guest is sponsored by our friends over at Friedland and Associates. Give our friends over at Friedland and Associates a call at 1-800-95-INJURED or visit their website uh, at yourfighthourbattle.com. Anything that you need related to personal injury, uh, auto accidents, medical malpractice, nursing home cases, criminal matters, uh, give them a call. Uh, Friedland and Associates, they're going to handle it with the passion that the Gators are known for, the zeal for doing what is right and doing what is necessary. So give our friends over at Friedland and Associates a call. Again, that's 1-800-95-INJURED or yourfighthourbattle.com. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Joining us for the first time on Stadium and Gale out of Swanee, Florida. Number 46, Jarvis Herring. Uh, Jarvis Herring uh, played for both Ron Zook and Urban Meyer. Uh, was a second team uh, All-SEC. Uh, was a 2005 team captain and a member of the leadership committee uh, his senior year. Jarvis, how are you doing this evening? Uh, great to you, Seth. Good, man. Good. Uh, so Jarvis, you're uh, from Swanee, or I guess you're from Live Oak. You went to Swanee. Uh, obviously grew up close to Gainesville. Talk to us ultimately, though, how you ended up playing for the University of Florida. Uh, mine my, my was uh, actually pretty easy. Uh, we were home full of Gators, um, and my cousin, Andre Davis, we lived in the same house uh, growing up. Um, our moms are sisters, uh, and he, of course, he was an all-SEC player at the University of Florida also, started middle linebacker, and um, of course, going up every every chance I get to go to concerts and fly at field and and uh, hang out with those guys, it, it was a no brainer where I was going. So, talk to us about your recruiting process, though. Did you visit any other schools, or you know what was what was the ultimate process like, or did you just know that you were going to go to UF, and as soon as you got an offer, all the other schools backed away? I. I did know that I was going to UF, but uh, my my entire secondary, uh, two of us went to University of Florida, one went to University of Miami, one went to Florida State. Um, 
I actually we we just we just did the ride along. Uh, we were, we were talked about some good people. Hey man, just take the trips for fun. So that's uh, right. We did go up to um, we did we did take the trips with Arkansas, South Carolina, UM, uh, Clemson, uh, Georgia Tech, Georgia. We we went to all the schools. So what we did is we just kind of uh, tagged along with one another. So when one would go, when one would go, of course they wanted the entire secondary. But we all would go. Uh, so, so we got a lot of free trips, you know what I mean? So we, we took advantage of the, uh, the opportunity. Absolutely. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Uh, Jarvis, you're in a unique position. I guess I, I forgot your, your freshman year. You, you played under Steve Spurrier. So you're, yeah. you're in a very unique position where you played for all three coaches. Talk to us about what that was like, uh, in your, I guess, mentally and, you know, just going through the process of, of your football career. Listen, I, the, be honest, that that was um, it was tough uh, to be honest with those transitions because you you go to University of Florida for stability um, and to win championships uh, or compete for championships. And uh, when I first got there, of course, it was Coach Spurrier, um, and thank God my cousin Andre was there because Coach Spurrier was trying to uh, he was trying to play me my freshman year. Um, there was another guy on the team, um, uh, and Coach Spurrier. Coach Spurrier was a good dude, though, man. Coach Spurrier was a really good dude. Uh, Coach Spurrier, I'll tell you a quick story. Coach Spurrier tried to give uh, me one of the other guys' jersey, one of the number one safeties in the nation. He tried to give me his jersey in practice. Jarvis, you want that jersey? Do you want that jersey? And I was like, no, nah, man, I'm good. I'm good. I like 46. So. <laughs> but that's how Spurrier is. Spurrier is straight up, but, man, when you when you saw his – uh, and I had John Hoke as a defensive back coach, man, and you, you got so comfortable and uh, the guys talked so well, man, so you just – you knew everything was about to uh, – it was headed in the right direction. Um, and then, boom, you got hit in the face. Well, Spurrier's gone after we blow uh, uh, Maryland out in the Orange Bowl. It's like, okay, I know this thing is about to be good. We're going to be competing for SEC championships and national championships. And it was a slap in the face, man. It's like, damn, I came here to beef with, with Coach Spurrier because I know we're going to win. I know we're going to compete. And then what's next? And it, it started there. And then once we get Coach Zook in, um, Zook was a player's coach. So all of us was cool and close to Zook. Um, and I, I thank God Chuck, Coach Strong was there because uh, during that time, even though – Zook was a hell of a coach, uh, position coach, one-on-one uh, -on -one coach uh, when it came to special teams, defensive backs, and he knew the game like no other. But when it came to controlling and uh, uh, sent over everything, uh, I think Zook was more of a control freak. So that's the reason I believe that didn't work out. Um, and well, then we you, get up you had this – um, hold on, real quick, real quick, real quick. I hate to cut you off, bro. But you, I remember, I remember in the past. I'm a Gator fanatic, bro. I've been following this forever. But I remember in the past there were, uh, I think you spoke about you guys doing the off season, just drinking all day under Zook. Yes, yes. So it was so Spurrier. It was uh, this is the way we felt about it at the time. Spurrier was a rock star. Spurrier, as long as you could play ball, you were good. It didn't matter what you do, as long as you could play ball. Rob Lab's gonna have you in shape. Do what you want to do, but as long as you can play ball, you were good. When it got to Zook, it was just kind of there was there was no direction. 
So, so to be honest, it kind of like uh, it was like we were straight thugs. Like it was just okay. You just go and do what you want to do. Uh, you were coming into uh, uh, practice and and workouts. You go straight to the club. Go straight into the weight room. The whole weight room smelled like alcohol. Um, <laughs> things like. Yeah, things like that. So that's how it was under. So there was, there was basically there was no structure. Um, but Zook was loved though. Zook was loved. So uh, even during that time, because we knew he cared about us, but at the same time, it wasn't he wasn't the right leader for uh, such a program. And I did have a part at the transition of Zook when Zook got fired. Um, I had a big thing in the paper. It was like, man, shit, like. Foley, you uh, yeah, yeah. you 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 make you force Spurrier out uh, because you won't give Spurrier something. Who wouldn't give Spurrier what he wants? Then you come back and you bring Zook in. And then after everybody falls in love with Zook, because the one thing we did do was compete. We were badly losing games. It was just we were missing a little, uh, you know what I mean, missing some discipline. So after you force Zook out, then man, we didn't know what the hell was going on. And then the next thing you know, we bring Meyer in. So it went from <laughs> it went from the thugs and going into uh, we thought someone was coming in to try to treat us like uh, uh, choir boys. But that was the best thing that happened for everybody who was still there on that team, uh, because what Meyer did is he changed our mentality, and you and you 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 reap the benefits off of it, black. So you, he changed our mentality. So. All those players that were on that team with us, oh, we had some, we had some dogs. We had a lot of dogs, which all of them went to the NFL right when you were getting there. But we had a bunch of dogs, but we just didn't have that guidance and that and that discipline, man. And and that dude came in, and I was the I was the black sheep when uh, Maya came in. I remember getting a call from him and Foley because I had just went off on Foley because of Zook. Um, and I got a call from Maya and Foley and just making sure everything's going to be okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, hey, we, we're not having any problems, whatever, whatever. And then the next thing you know, I, and you, I, I know you probably heard Black, but I was, I, everything that, every decision that was made on that team, it came through me. I would go and have to go sit in the office with uh, Coach Maya and Mickey Marotti. So I went from being the black sheep to the, 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 the top dog. So you sat in the front row, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. I was ahead. Of, I was ahead. Hey, hey, I was ahead. I was ahead of everything. So you went from. I, I even got to the point where I had to go and watch the players in the club to make sure they didn't fight. Hey, for, for for those who don't know, in, in the meeting room, urban seats, um, uh, captains in the first row, or or seniors, then juniors, then sophomores and freshmen. So that's how I was seated in the in the uh in the meeting room. Uh, Jarvis, talk about uh the transition, man. What was a bigger transition? Um, to you or to, to, to the players to handle? Um, Spur you to Zook or Zook to Urban? Um, Zook to Urban. Uh, reason being is because Urban treated you how how you were putting out. So uh, treated you how you were, uh, I guess, max- maximizing your potential. Right. So they went from Zook when, okay, Zook, uh, if you're not playing, he ain't really paying attention to you. You're not caring about that. Maya paid attention to everybody. And even even the best players on the team, Maya is going to be, okay, if you're not living up to your – because you remember Maya was a uh, – Maya is a mental guy. 
Maya is a mental guy. So what he did is, okay, if you're not living up to the expectations that I think you should be living up to it and, and the capability that I know you have, oh, he gives you hell. He gives you hell, and he's going to stay on your ass constantly because he wanted the best out of everyone, and he knew we were only good as a, the weakest link. And that was the biggest transition going from from uh, from Maya, to, I mean, from uh, Zook to Maya, uh, because it was kind of uh, we weren't used to going to classes and things like that. And you know, he would, right. Maya would have coaches go sit in classes with you, make sure you sit sure. in the classroom, to make sure you're in the class, um, things like that. So he he taught everybody uh, responsibility. A lot of people got. Um, degrees and things that they would have never gotten before if, if it wasn't for uh, that staff, you know what I mean? So that was the biggest transition because it was like we had to grow up from being kids, outlaws, into uh, adults and law-abiding citizens, you know what I mean? So, um, And on that point, too, that's why I think Maya get a bad rep all the time because people don't understand what he did for so many of us. Talk about, uh, and this is one thing a lot, a lot of people don't don't really know, and we, we don't uh get get the well they don't get the praise as much as um you know the, the, the coaches do uh, talk about the strength and conditioning staff on those three staffs um what was different in all three of those i know i know when you was there you had mickey and bayless and all those guys were urban um but talk a little bit about uh-huh. the Zip staff and talk a little bit about spurrier staff and what was the difference with them um all both of those staffs was they were amazing now both of those staffs were amazing so uh the biggest uh the difference, the biggest difference between those two staffs were Rob Glass, he was all about power. Everybody in the weight room is going to put 500 pounds on their back, no matter who they are, even Vernell Brown. You know how small Vernell is. You don't care if you fall uh-huh. to the floor, you're going to put that 500 on your back. So um, even that's what he was all about, power, 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 power. Um, and, of course, mental toughness come on along with that also, but he's building you for uh, – uh, he's not building you for speed. When Mickey Marotti and uh, Bayless and Big Lou and all those guys were there, they were they were teaching us mental toughness, mental toughness, uh, outlasting your man, all about one-on-one battles, uh, sitting on the wall with wall plates and holding holding on the uh, the towels to see who could hold hold up the longest. Uh, mat drills. The mat drills are a beast now. Um, what, what he had, uh, Midnight ma- uh, the Valentine's Day Massacre. Uh, things like that. So it was all about mental toughness. So he, he, he was all about once you feel like giving in, he, he's going to show you that you had something else left. Um, and which I, I agree. I think it was, it's a lot more effective for the game. Um, both were effective because they won a lot of games with uh, Glass there, but that that Mick and Marathi's, uh program is a lot more effective for when you feel like you don't have enough. It makes you dig deep. Right, right. What did uh, – you had a roller coaster ride of, of, like, coaches. So what did having three different coaches uh, throughout your career in college teach you, like, for the afterlife, like for, for post-college? Right. I, I, um, I, I always tell people, period, um, that if you don't make your kids play some kind of sport or some kind of be involved in some kind of group activities where they're competing, you do your kids a disservice. Uh, um, 
because it it rolled over into the afterlife that nothing can nothing can shake me, nothing can stop me. Like it, it doesn't matter what somebody put in front of me. Um, it, it 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 has you battle tested. It's like okay, uh, especially well mentally. And mentally is the most important thing. It is. I don't care what you're doing now in the afterlife because you're not competing anymore. But it had me battle tested mentally. So I didn't care what somebody threw in front of me. Uh, things that stress other people out. Uh, <laughs> they used to get sometimes people would think I didn't care, but they knew I cared because of the output that they were getting. Um, I would just bounce back. Stuff just bounced off of me. It was like, okay, man, listen, I've been through this, this, and this, and each time I adjusted, I got better each time this happened. Got better each time, better each time. And so, so there's nothing in the real world that could that could uh, that could affect you. Nothing could affect you when it's like that. Um, I, I've been through so many different things, um, I guess, in my daily life. And I, I could take something from each coach. I could take something from each coach. I could take something from each firing. And I could be like, okay, all right, man, you've, been, you've seen this before. And I, and I started relaying everything, well, trying to make everything look like some kind of football scenario. And that's how I still handle my life now. And it gets you through everything. Uh, what's your favorite memory or uh, your favorite play in the swamp involving you and not involving you? Which one did you like seeing? Ah, my favorite um, involving me. Game or play. Okay. I want to box you in. Okay. Well, you put it this way. I, I ain't even going to have to put uh, uh, for involving me. The biggest moment of my, my career was uh, – uh, me and my cousin Andre, we were basically, uh, he graduated in 97, I was in uh, 2001. So I never had the opportunity to play with him, and he's my, he's, he was my, he's my idol. The reason I started playing football, even though the whole family played everything, uh, one game, uh, Marshall, we played Marshall, Byron Leftwich. Uh, Lito Shepard got uh, hurt for a play, and I was his, uh, his backup. I came in at nickel and I was right beside my cousin and he went in and um, he knocked uh, Byron Leftwich mouthpiece out of his mouth on the sack. So that was my biggest, even not, not me in the action, but that was my biggest play ever on the University of Florida or biggest, best memory anyways. Um, best game, man. Best game was um, with, uh, um, what are you guys? Uh, Florida State, man. Florida State. Always, always Florida State. The best game was Florida State at the Swamp. That was my best memory there. Um, even though they cheated us, man. They cheated us. They called a uh, theatric phase on was running. Uh, I think this was 2003. Theatric phase on was running, uh, breaking free, middle of the field, lots of football. He recovered it, but they gave it to Florida State. Everything went wrong, man. We just kept battling. Uh, they threw a hail mary. PK Sam caught it over uh, uh, Gus. Gus got uh, Gus called the fumble. They turned it back over. They give it to Florida State, and we we battled all the way to the end. And you know how those games are, man. It, it, even though we lost, it was just something about that game. It's like, man, listen, no, y'all did everything, everything, and the refs just took this thing away. But as much as it hurt, it was a great memory, man. It's, it's a game that always sticking your. Uh, it's sticking my head. Right. We know the alpha males. Uh, we get we get uh, some of the former players come on, and we asked about the alpha males in the urban locker room from Ahmad days. 
Uh, who was that guy in your recruiting class and around the area that you was in? Uh, my recruiting class. Who was slapping everybody around in the locker room? Oh, <laughs> I was. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you a little secret. We had. A, they had a vote on the team, right? So they had a vote on the team, and it was like, okay, if you had to get into a fight, you can only choose three people on the team. Who are you gonna take with you? They said. Stephen Harris, Shannon Crowder, and Jarvis Hare. That's a good three. group to be in. Hey, they don't, hey those are <laughs> the three. We, 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 we were the eight, at each level of the defense. Those, hey, those were the three. We, we, hey, we were always getting into it somewhere. Hey, Jarvis, I got a question, bro. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about the silent killer, man. That, that a lot of people, I think when they talk about Gator greats, they don't really mention too much because I think they forget. Um, Derek Harvey, man. When I came in, Urban in front of the team said he's not scared of nobody on our team, and he'll go to war with any, against any one of us except Derek Henry. Uh, Derek Harvey, I'm sorry, Derek Harvey. Harvey. Talk, talk about Derek Harvey, bro. How he was as a young guy, man. Because I know when I got in, Derek Harvey was, was that was that boy. He was a man. So, so D, D Harvey was a, a quiet. That entire defensive line, all those boys who you you played with, all of them was unproductive, very unproductive. They were young. Nobody was focused on football. Um, most of them were lazy, man. They were lazy. Um, and to tell you a quick story, that's why all of them, and you can ask all of the guys on the team, all of them hated me, uh, Black. All of them hated me before, um, hated me until I, I was leaving. Because I was an overachiever, and those guys would just sit there like, man, you see these guys' talent. You know how you just see a, a quick twitch sometimes? You'd be like, God, where this dude? Man, these dudes are ridiculous. Uh, Derek Harvey, Marcus Thomas, all those guys. So um, he was a big uh, a big underachiever. Man, look, this dude probably would have went – He they would have probably been arguing about him going the first pick if he would have had the motor that he had once y'all got there. It took a while to get there, but it's just something like he he didn't he didn't want it all the time. You know what I mean? Right. You right. see those birds and things like that, but he didn't want it all the time. And that was the thing. It's like that's why that entire defensive line, um, 2005 on that you seen them all of them went to the NFL, and that's what Maya brought out of them. Definitely, you know when we got there, man. Again, you know. Um, that's when Trap and all those guys was just not just not getting out of there. Uh, Ray McDonald and um, you know Moss. So um, we got to see Derek Harvey for a year, man. I wish he would have. I wish he would have stuck it out with us one more time. And shoot, we'd have we'd have really did that thing the next year. I mean, that was the national championship year. So, um, but hey. you know, yeah, yeah we, y'all, y'all supposed to y'all, y'all supposed to went on about three in a row. I was I was mad at them bastards. Like y'all would wait till I leave to go and ball out. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, look, so, so, look, as soon as you left, they, they, they rebuilt the, the weight room. They put the new uh, the gator room up and all that. So Everything, everything, man. Hey, but, hey I'm going to tell you a quick story, though, man. This, this is why I, I – uh, and the guys are still this way with me to the day, though. Like, um, and that's what I tell a lot of people. When people know they got you got their best interests at heart, uh, stuff is really rewarding at the end. So, just like I said, all those guys, hate, they hated me while I was there. 
uh, all of them love me now. Um, you can ask some of the guys about the story. Like senior, you know how you do the senior day talk um, at the bowl game. We got a single talk, senior you, talk. You, they speak, yeah, yeah, yeah. You speak, you speak to all the seniors, speak about all the seniors. So he gives yeah. you an opportunity to talk about each senior. Maya saved me for last. So we got up there, man, and uh, I'm like, damn, why you saved me for last? I'm like, damn, these dudes hate me because I was always on their ass because they, if they're not working hard, I was always on them. So the next thing you know, man, I got – we get one, two, three, man. I, and I, I ended up – it seemed like I, I, I'm not exaggerating. 40 or so players, he had to stop people from talking, man. Like, dudes just bursting – they just breaking down crying. I was like, what in the fuck is this? <laughs> I man, I sat up there and I cried. I, I listen, I sat up there and I cried the whole time. Every player just came back, 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 back. I was like, wow, man. That, that's like, I, I get that. And even that next year after, um, and when the went to the national championship in Arizona, I wasn't even on the team. Me and Channing went out there and they did the same thing again. I was like, wow, this is amazing, man. That you, you, and I know you were the same way. After you be hard on people, man, they think you're just being an asshole, but you really just want to. You want the best in everybody. You want the best to come out of all of them. Uh, that's what true uh, competitors do, man. And then you see that, it's amazing. Jarvis, we always talk uh, and kind of clown on Ahmad for having number 35 uh, at UF and then number 43 in the NFL, just because they're kind of unique and very different numbers and, and ones that normally somebody wouldn't pick. But ultimately, how'd you, uh, you're number 46. Uh, where'd that number come from? How'd you end up with it? Was it your choice? You get stuck with it? Do you want to keep it? Talk to yeah. us about that. No, it's just that, that first number that they give you when you get there uh, until you earn your yeah, stripes. That, I had plenty of opportunities to change. Yeah. Yeah, I had plenty, hey, listen, I had plenty of opportunities to change it. He was trying to give me players' numbers all the time, 22, uh, all kind of different numbers. But I was like, man, listen, it ain't about this jersey. It's about who in this jersey. So, you know what I mean? So, I was like, it's about my play. Now, I don't care about a number. A number don't – it's not high school anymore, you know what I mean? Very good. It, 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 it's – yeah, it's college. I got I got the uh, I got people telling me how good I'm playing out here now. You know what I mean? So I, I, I didn't I didn't care. And the same thing with black. Black, you didn't care. I, I know oh, he you cares. Didn't have he cares. I, 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 I cared a little bit. I, I you know I, after I had went and got seven picks in the season, I ain't care no more. But, but okay, that, okay, I, I, yeah. I care, bro. I really care. I ain't even gonna let's just, let's just get that out there. So uh, so so, oh, Coach okay. Meyer, Coach Meyer, if you're listening, I care. All right. <laughs> hey Jar- Jarvis, what are you what what are you up to these days? Um, I I'm in uh, construction. I have a commercial okay. construction company. So I'm awesome. yeah. So I, I uh self self employed man. So I get out and do the same thing. I go out and 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 hustle every day and and compete. You know what I mean? But it's it's not just to win the game. It's about service now. So that's what I do. Awesome, man. Well, Jarvis, it was an absolute pleasure chatting with you this evening, man. And you do the social media thing at all? Is there any place that anybody can go follow you on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, that kind of thing? Yeah, it's just my name. My name okay. on uh, my name on Facebook, Jarvis Herring, and then on uh, uh, I'm on Instagram also. It's just it's Swamp underscore forty six. Awesome, man. Well, Jarvis, it was an absolute pleasure getting you on. We definitely want to get you on in the future, uh, but we appreciate your time this evening. Go Gators. All right, go get it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Right, man. Appreciate it. Okay. All right, bro. That was pretty fun, man. Um, it's been a while. A little, a little minute since we did a play interview. That was dope. That was dope, man. 
Yeah, that's one of the ones few few that kept it real about the Zook years, man. We got to hear a little, a little yeah. bit of the shenanigans that went on behind the Cause scenes. Because I, I know a lot of shenanigans, dog, but I just think, you know what I'm saying, I wasn't there, so I ain't, I ain't trying to, you know what I'm saying, be, be right here pillow talking about them boys. So I want them boys to come on and, and talk I about I had to bring up boys. the message board rumors from back in the day. That's all <laughs> I did. <laughs> turns, out, turns out it was real. <laughs> I think the keg parties, they're getting drunk from, uh, from <laughs> yeah. morning to midnight. I mean, yeah. It was a wild I, I bet it was a fun time to be a player around there, you know? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. The boys had Channing running around? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Look, man, to go, to go from – to get recruited by Spurrier, right, the year after uh, that 2001 season where a lot of folks thought that they should have played the national championship and, you know, you can talk about the Tennessee game and all that, right, to have, um, you know, Ron Zook and then end with Urban Meyer. I mean, just – Kind of an incredible, uh, incredible. Like, four, five I, years I, I don't know how many players has, has done that. Can we like? Can we? Can we ask the timeline that tomorrow? Probably not many, but yeah, we can ask the timeline. There, you know, there's somebody out there that that's crunched yeah. that spring. Actually, it's eleven. Four players, seven walk. Sound like something Neil to put up, right? No, uh, yeah. <laughs> man. All right, uh, yeah. it's been a while since we did a player. Do we want? We do another one. Yeah, let's hang out with my man Earl Everett, man. Before we get along, I got to shout out to my people at Brun Insurance and Financial Services. Anything you need insured from the Panhandle to the Keys, hit my man Greg up, 954-589-2204. My man insures homes, autos, and also life. Any uh, financial services you need, he can take care of you there as well. 954-589-2204. Let's hang out with the man with no helmet. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. And join us for the first time on Stadium and Gale. It's first time All-SEC, second team All-SEC, freshman All-SEC, BCS national champion and SEC champion, and the man with no helmet chasing down Troy Smith in the BCS national championship. Earl Everett. Earl, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good, man. It's a pleasure to have you on, Earl. Normally, I ask everybody the very first question is how they ultimately ended up at the University of Florida, but I want to get this out of the way. What was that like to chase down uh, Troy Smith, and what was going through your head uh, during that BCS National Championship when you were chasing him down? Oh, man, you know, um, we we had, we prepared to the fullest, you know, um, pretty much, you know, the preparation that whole year, you know, um, um I mean, there was no better way to go out, but um, I mean, we was ready for everything that they that they had for us. You know, our defensive uh, coordinator told us uh, leading up into that game that um, if we play our best game, it won't even it won't even be close. You know what I mean? Because uh, up until that game, we hadn't played our best game defensively yet. You know, we've had a lot of tough games, uh, winning by one point, two points here and there, but. Uh, you know, that particular play, um, I didn't even realize, to be honest with you, I didn't realize my helmet was off until I got right up on uh, uh, Smith, uh, Troy Smith. Um, everything happened so fast. Um, he flushed out the pocket. And, um, you know, when I got right up on him, I mean, it, it, shit, it was too late then <laughs> to, to stop. <laughs> you know, don't say- I think I would have stopped anyways, but you know it happened so fast, man. I was I was trying to get off the field. Hey, freaky, what what defense y'all was in? You remember? Um, uh, we ran um, 
uh, I think we ran a, a Steeler stunt, I believe. Okay. Um, when okay. I came off the edge there. Because you know, you know, Coach uh, Strong don't change his plays, so. Hey, they feel the same, <laughs> man. I'm going to work all that. <laughs> I love it. Earl, uh, talk to us. I, you know, I want to go back to the beginning. So you're a South Sumter guy. Uh, ultimately, how'd you end up uh, committing and playing at the University of Florida? Talk to us about your recruitment. Um, to be honest with you, um, it, it was it was the man upstairs, man. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people don't know, um, you know, um, at 18 months old, um, I was diagnosed with uh, epilepsy. And, um, you know, used to have seizures and, um, you know, was taking all kind of medication as far, you know, with um, ADHD, uh, was in ESC classes, um, all that stuff coming up, man. But, you know, as I got older, um, my high school coach came and watched me play in middle school. And, um, you know, I well, rewind a little bit. I was, I was born in Bartow, Florida. You know, uh, my dad's side of the family is from Lakeland. Uh, so I used to live down there uh, for quite a up until like third or fourth grade is when I moved to, uh, to Sumter County. And um, my great-grandmother was a nurse, and she wanted me to be closer to Gainesville so I could catch a transit bus um, to Sands Hospital. So going back and forth, you know, um, uh, to Shands Hospital, you know, that's pretty much when I fell in love with Gainesville then. So at, at a young age, you know, I've uh, been a Gator fan. But, um, you know, fast forward a little, going into high school, uh, my high school coach, he was like, man, you know, <clears throat> you can't get a, a D1 scholarship, you know, if you're in certain classes. And he was like, um, I was like, well, I pretty much at this, at that point, uh, I had already started to outgrow, you know, the uh, epilepsy or whatever, and um, was off of medication and all of that. So um, I kind of got a late start as far as catching on to academics than everybody else did. Um, but once I started to outgrow everything, I started catching up with everybody, you know, as far as academics and taking the proper classes. And by the time I, be by the time I was a junior in high school, I was in all regular classes off of, um, I wasn't on any more medication. Um, like I said, my college coach, he always told me, man, he said, um, you could be one of the most highly recruited players to ever come out of the school. And, you know, at the time, everybody from my high school, the, you know, the biggest school they were going to uh, was uh, USF. You know, and I think at that time, they were like Conference USA back then. You know, so coming out, you know, I didn't know no better. I thought I was, you know, I thought I was going to be a South Florida Bull, you know. That's where everybody was going. So uh, my senior year, you know, schools just started rolling in like crazy. And when uh, Ron Zook um, and Charlie Strong uh, came to my grandmother's house, um, I was pretty much sold in then, you know. Because like I say, going back and forth to Gainesville from when I was little, um, I used to hear about um, – UF football, you know, I used to see uh, Taylor Jacobs catching a lot of deep passes, you know, sitting in the waiting room watching the TV, you know, at uh, Shands Hospital. So, you know, they they always had uh, UF sports on basketball and all that stuff. So uh, that pretty much sealed the deal with me, you know, as far as, you know, uh, going into UF 
you know, I was a fan as a, at a young age. Talk about uh, the biggest difference uh, for you when you came to um, uh, to the University of Florida, just being on campus and whatnot. I know you say you came up here, uh, you know, to, to be up at Shands and whatnot with, with your, with your uh, grandmother. But um, talk about, you know, being on the University of Florida campus um, and, and how that was different, you know, going to practice and, and, and practicing uh, with the Gators. Uh, how did that differ from high school? It, it was a huge difference, man, because, um, you know, we were a, a small school at the time. We were 2A. You know, my graduating class was probably like 200 kids. So probably about a little over 1,000, you know, fans, you know, um, 2,000, probably at 2,000 at, at big playoff games. You know, regular season, it wasn't that many. So coming into UF, man, and, and it's like 90-plus, you know, um, it was crazy, man. It was a big adjustment as far as uh, getting used to the atmosphere. Um, but I think, you know, I handled it well. I had um, guys like Channing Crowder and, and Jarvis Herring uh, were older guys that kind of helped me adjust, you know, to the uh, college level and kind of took me under their wings, especially Channing. Um, you know, I had an older guy um, that played my position. You know, I used to ask him questions about certain things, plays here and there. He would tell me the wrong, uh, the wrong thing on purpose. You yeah, know, bro. We had, the like huh? we had a few guys like that. Yeah, man. So you know, I'm I'm getting cursed out in practice. You know how strong he is. He like to slap you in the back of the he head. To, yeah, he gonna slap your helmet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, I'm getting cursed out in practice, man. And then finally, one day, Channing Crowder, he was like, man. Um, if you got any questions, man, you know, just come to me. I got you, bro. You know, so from there on, um, like I say, Channing and Jarvis Heron kind of, you know, pretty much helped me adjust, you know, um, so as, as far as, you know, plays and all that and, you know, college life and, you know, what to do and what not to do, what places to go and, you know, that 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 sort of thing. So they were, they were pretty much like the big brothers, you know what I mean? Talk about uh, the camaraderie in the locker room. Uh, you know, what was it? Uh, what you was expecting? Was that very different from from high school and, and, and being in Sumter? Um, how did you guys, you know, uh, you know, deal with each other outside of football? Um, it was different. You know, of course, high school. Every, pretty much everybody's cool with everybody. You grew up with all these guys. You know, you watched them. You know, you guys used to play together in the down the dirt road down. You know, in the neighborhood. Um, sure. But coming. To Coming to college, you know, um, the defensive guys actually didn't my first two years, you know, under Zook. Um, the defensive guys didn't hang out with the offensive guys. You know, um, Shannon Crowder used to come by my dorm. Uh, I was roommates with Joe Cohen at the time. Um, and Joe's like a brother. But he would come to our dorms and he would knock on our door and um, – come and get us to go out with him. He would make us go out with him. They're like, no, nah, bro, you know, we just trying to chill. Like, no, nah, y'all coming hanging out with me, you know. So, um, for sure. Yeah, man. Um, like I said, he was really that big brother figure that, you know, we never had or whatever. But the, the only offensive guy that hung out with us, you know, really here and there that I can remember it was uh, Seatric Faison. You know, Shannon was that guy, you know, he did it in the pool with those offensive guys. But C4 – 
C4 was a guy that was always down to earth and cool, and, you know, he hung out with us. But it was mostly defensive guys. The linebackers kind of hung out together. Uh, we hung out with a few D-line and a few DB guys. So it was mostly all defensive guys that really hung out together. Okay, cool. Talk about your, your first time running out in, in the swamp, man. I know, uh, we all, like, again, I always ask this question to, to former players, man, because we get different reactions. But uh, talk about the first time you were able to run out out on uh, Ben Hill Griffin. Oh, man. Uh, I'll never forget, bro. The, the, the first time I ran out of the tunnel and I seen all those people out there screaming, and I, man, I, I was on the – a swamp high, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, everything else went out the window. You know, yeah. so I'm on the kickoff team. You know, they put all you know the young freshmen on the kickoff, and for sure, you know, they kick off, and they, you know the whole stadium go whoo. So I'm yeah. running down. I'm not watching any blockers. You got cracked back. Yeah, man. <laughs> Listen, we were we were playing like fam, you or somebody, and I got ear holes. <laughs> <laughs> I got ear holes, man, and uh, you know I, you know you you're better off just falling instead of trying to catch yourself. It makes it look even worse. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, man. So I got ear holes, and I jumped up, and um, the second kickoff, man, the same exact dude got me. He came from the other side. <laughs> so the third kickoff, I'm pissed off now. You know what I mean? So I locked in on this dude. You know, I ran out of my lane and all that just to get this guy. And, of course, I got cursed out. But from there on, you know, it was like welcome to college football. You know what I mean? I had to get that, you know, that initial, you know. I, I was so pumped up, man. I, I didn't know what to do. Sure. But it was, I mean, it, 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 it was a dream come, come true because, like, like I said, that, that was my – you know, my, my number one school, you know, growing up as, as a kid. So, you know, when it finally happened, I was just so jacked up, man, that, Definitely. you know, it took me a while to actually settle down. All right. Hey, Earl, uh, t- I want to take you back to the moment that Ron Zook was let go. Um, what, were we, what was going on through your mind? What was your emotions? Where were you at? And, and like, just take us back to that moment. Yeah, man. Um I was hurt, man, you know, because, you know, uh, Ron Zuck was the guy that gave me the opportunity to play at Florida. Like I said, my dream school. So, you know, he, you know, re- regardless of what they say about Zuck, man, I, I, I love that dude. You know, um, he could come in your house and talk to your parents for 10 minutes and they fall in love with it, man. He, he could talk a chick out of, out of her check, man, I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, <laughs> he got a mouthpiece on it, man. He could, he, he, he's, he's a great recruiter, man. I, I, I really respect that dude. Um, but um, I was really hurt. You know, I wanted to transfer. Um, I, I remember me and Joe Cohen was having conversations, you know, about following him wherever he was going. You know, we got a new guy coming in. We didn't know him from a can of paint, you know. Um, you know, we just heard some guy that was coaching at Utah that went undefeated or whatever, you know. Um, so we didn't know much about uh, Urban Meyer. And his first – the first day Coach Meyer got there, he had a team meeting. His first few words, he said, guys, I know you didn't ask for me, and I didn't ask for y'all either. So, of course, that didn't sit well. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? But – you know, eventually, 
you know, he he won us all over, and um, you know, things worked out for the best. What was uh, that moment? What what moment was it for you that that you was like, okay, um, because everybody kind of has that same initial impression of Urban Meyer at that at that switch when we switched from Zook to Urban. What moment was it for you when you thought, okay, yeah, this is a good guy, and I think he win? Um, I would have to say probably leading up to the season, man. Um, leading up to the, you know, to to our first game. Um, well, probably a little before that. You know, he was always around, always coming, talking to guys, and you know, he wasn't one of those coaches that he was just you know, all about winning, you know what I mean? Of course, you know, Irv liked to win. Anybody can tell you that, but he actually got to know us as as players, you know what I mean? He would come in when we were working out, you know, he would speak to us, stop and say hello, and, you know, and, and invited us over to his house. Um, you know, I, I've never been over to Ron Zook's house. As much as I love that dude, I've, I've never been over there. So, um, Urban Meyer really – like I said, he really won us over, man, um, a little before the season uh, with just being a, a player's coach, you know, when he first came. You know, he, he was he was a hard ass. Now, don't get me wrong. Now, you you get in the doghouse, you'll probably never get out, you know. But um, um, he just showed a lot of love, uh, you know, throughout the, pretty much the whole time he was there. Now I know uh you in the you was in the same room with my man Channing Crowder for a little bit, who's a friend of the show, man. I, I kick it with him often. What's the craziest thing you ever seen Channing do on and off the field? Uh the craziest thing I ever seen him do is uh he peed in his pants on purpose and squirted water on his uh Oh god. Uh, <laughs> what? That, listen, that was a tradition that was passed down too. What? Hold on, hold on. I need to know more. I need to know more. Right. Hey, I didn't, so, I, didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't jump on that tradition, man. I let that one pass over. I, was <laughs> I got passed down. What exactly did he do? What happened? Uh, so, I mean, it's in the middle of the game. He was like, Danny uh, started calling me uh, Freaky E, you know, because, um, you know, I was a small guy. That, you know, I came in 200 pounds, um, lighter than everybody else. So they used to make me run with the DBs from time to time. So he used to always say, you, you know, you're a freak. So he was like, hey, freaky, man. Uh, bro, damn, bro, I got the pee, man. So I was like, man, you better go to the locker room. He was like, go to the locker room. And he was like, no, nah, man, he said, I'm going to pee in my pants. And sure enough, when we got off the field, okay. yeah, he took a knee. And sure enough, he started peeing, man. And I was like, dude, bro, if I'm tackling somebody, man, don't jump on my back, bro. Just let it <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, come on, bro. But um, that's the craziest thing I ever seen him do during the game. Um, outside of football, um, uh, running. Well, I would say this: running stadiums. We had to run stadiums one morning. At well, he a few mornings. Um, and you know, we used to always go and hang out or whatever. Well, Channing would never go to sleep on mornings that we had to run stadiums because he always felt like you know. If he uh went to sleep, he wasn't gonna wake up. This dude or he was out partying. I'm, I'm gonna go with party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. We, we had we had the snake stadiums, right? And this man was the first one 
done every time and you can smell alcohol coming out his pores. See? Tony used to be like that, bro. Uh, he wasn't oh, first. Really? He wasn't first. He, let's just make yeah. that um, but you can just smell it, bro, when the boys come, you know, from, from a night out. Right. You know, and, you know, a lot of his crazy antics off the field, you know, happened like right before I got there. But, you know, Channing came out a year before me and I think he tore his knee. And then he sat out and just trained and did something like that. And then he signed with the 03 class. You know, so I used to hear stories about him um, at Springs, you know, the front doors down at Springs. Um, Used to be glass, you know, and I, I heard I used to hear a story about he ran full speed and just ran slap through the glass, so he had to get stitches all across his back and all kind of crazy stuff like that. But the guy's a maniac, man. Yeah, he is, man. But um, you know, he 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 was one of the best guys I ever played with uh, at a linebacker position. Just had a nose for the ball, and he taught me a lot. You know what I mean? So I always give him, you know, respect for that. You know, like I say, he, he's like a big brother, too, man. Right. Now, uh, my man Dan opened the show asking you about the Ohio State game. Um, I want to I talk to you about the prep for that game. Uh, who in practice was mimicking Troy Smith and, and what was the game plan? Were you the uh, pretty much the, the QB spy? Um, no, uh, Silent was actually the spy. Um, I used to get mad at Charlie Strong because he would never let me blitz much, you know, and um, Tyler was like, Tyler blitzed all the time, you know, and I was like, coach, let me blitz, man. You know, I'm trying to get my sacks up too. Let me blitz. And he was like, well, you and Chrome are two of our better coverage guys, you know what I mean? So we would rather have you in coverage, you know, um, instead of blitz, which made plenty of sense, you know, right. um, but you know, I still wanted to blitz, but whatever. But uh, Tyler was actually the spy. So pretty much any time I got a chance to actually blitz, especially coming off the edge, oh, man, it was it was all gas, no break. You know what I mean? So uh, the preparation, you know, for that game, you know, like I said earlier, man, we had prepared. Uh, we were in our books on the bus to practice, from practice. Uh, Tyler used to come by my room uh, every night. And um, we would get in our books and study for about another hour. And then we would, you know, break away or whatever. Um, but what really, see, we were pissed off because, you know, nobody gave us a chance. We don't deserve to be on the same field. And um, another thing that pissed us off, not only that, was our first night we didn't have a curfew. So we all decided to go and hang out. And uh, we went to some little spot. Uh, I, I can't remember the name, but... Um, Ohio State players were there, and uh, they had the VIP section all bought out, and they were popping champagne and all kind of crazy stuff. So uh, Ray McDonald came up, and he said, guys, let's go. Dead lady right there, bro. He was like, let's go, man. We we just got here. He was like, no, man, let's go. He said, we're going to let them have this tonight. He said, we got work to do. Let them have this tonight. Come game day, we 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 on their ass, and sure enough, everybody left and went back to the hotel. The next night, I want to say curfew might have been like at twelve o'clock or something like that. 
before 1130, everybody was in their room in their books. At least the linebackers and a lot of the DB was. You know, I can't speak. You know, I wasn't a fly on the wall watching everybody, but I know majority of the guys was in their in their room studying. So it, it was it, it was all business, man. We we were on a mission to prove the world that you know we deserve to be on the same field. We don't care what nobody say. We 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 knew what we had. You know what I mean? Right. And what was the mood like after the first kickoff return when my man Ted again took it back to the crib? Um, nobody, nobody was phased to be honest. Uh, Joe Coyne walked up and he was like, bro, they didn't score on our defense. Defense wasn't out there. I said, you know what? You're right, bro. You did. <laughs> That's right. You, right. you know what I mean? So, um, we pretty much told, you know, the kickoff team, um, you know, when those guys were coming off the field, we was like, Hey, we got y'all back, man. Don't worry about that. That's just one. One touchdown ain't gonna, you know, ain't gonna win this game. You know, they got to score way more than that. So that was pretty much our mentality, man. We, we that didn't phase us at all, you know. Hey, hey, Earl, uh, go ahead. So, so uh, when when Urban was here and uh, you know, um, and, and Strong and, and those guys were here, um, and y'all were getting ready, preparing for that 2006 season. Talk about, you know, the offseason um, leading up to it and, and how did you guys really get prepared for that season? Because I know um, the hardest offseason I, I had at UF was, was going into the 2008 season. So talk about, uh, you know, the preparation, uh, getting ready for that 06 that season. And uh, that was the year those, those, uh, those uh, freshmen came in with Tebow and Spikes and, uh, and Brandon James and those guys. Talk about uh, when those guys came in as well. Right. Um... The preparation, the preparation for that season was totally different from Myers' first year. Um, their, their first year, Coach Mick and those guys, you know, they, they, they went hard. Now, don't get me wrong on us in the weight room and all that, but Coach Meyer always said um, after that season, he said, this is the year, guys. This is the year. And Coach Mick and uh, Bayless and those guys, they, they, they really meant that. In the weight room, everything was turned up a notch. Right. Uh, you know, you know, there's a lot of music's playing, you know, yeah, yeah. they screaming in, in your ear, yeah. you know, uh, you know, all that stuff, man. They they turned it up a notch, even mat drills, all that stuff. Um, you know, um, with linebackers, everything with me, Silent and Crumb, everything we did and um, Meyer actually incorporated, um, you know, everything was competition. Right. You know what I mean? Um, there's always a winner and the losers. You know, the winners ate steak, the losers ate uh, hot dogs and, 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 and baked beans. Yep. You know what I mean? So <laughs> you want that steak, you better tighten up. <laughs> For sure, definitely. Yeah, and um, go ahead. Earl, besides that, obviously the national championship game that you guys won, uh, you guys had some some awesome and some really big victories. You know, the one I remember kind of most vividly, that was my freshman year of college at UF, was, uh, you know, the cock block against the USC, the game where you guys blocked, what, three or four kicks that game. But what are what are some of the other games that, that stand out in your memory from your time uh, playing with the Gators? Um, I would have to say freshman year versus Florida State. Um, they threw that Hail Mary to P.K. Sam at the end of the game and won in Gainesville. Um, that was probably one of the loudest games i ever been in. Um, I remember standing next to Channing Crowder, and he, 
he was calling the check and I couldn't hear him. You know, I literally had to take a few steps towards him and he's only about four feet away from me, you know, uh, if that, but I, I couldn't hear what he was saying, what he was saying. Uh, Jar- uh, Jarvis Heron and Daryl Dixon were making checks in the secondary and I couldn't hear him. Um, that was one of the loudest and one of the toughest games I've ever been a part of. And probably Tennessee, my senior year, um, when we won by one point, um, that was another one. And then Auburn, that game we lost, um, that was a tough game physically and mentally because they didn't score on our defense. Um, yeah, that, that, was tough. Know, that, that was tough to even watch. Right, <laughs> I, man. We, I'm talking about, bro. Me, we watched it over at uh, one of the recruits' house. Uh, Paul Wilson that came in with us, and me. I, I can okay. just remember being the twins. Just, I mean, we was devastated, bro. That whole night, we just we didn't want to eat nothing, bro. We were so upset, y'all boys lost that. Yeah, it was it was crazy, man. And I, you know, I never forget our D line. You know, Marcus Thomas and Smalls and all those guys. They wanted to beat up Chris Leak after the game because they felt like he was throwing the game. <laughs> So they literally got this man in a corner in the locker room, like talking trash to him, about to beat the crap out of this man. And and, and kind of, kind of, I'm telling you, man, it it, it looked ugly, you know. Um, I mean, you know, I, I haven't played quarterback since high school, you know, I've never played in college, but I know how tough it is, you know what I mean? Um, but one of his picks, he threw right to the linebacker. Like, the kid didn't move. You know, it went right to him. So when they were saying all these things, you know, that pick, you know, came to mind. And I was like, man, man, don't, don't tell me this, man. I don't even want to think about nothing like that. You know? <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I know, Maud, I know you asked, I know you asked about um, – uh, but those were the, the three toughest games probably in my career. Um uh, but I know Ahmad asked about uh, the young guys. Um, those guys are awesome coming in, man. Brandon James, um, we probably couldn't tackle him the first two weeks he got on campus uh, during the angle tackle. Um, he was yeah. so quick and swift, and you know it, it took a little while to get adjust, you know, to adjust to him. Um, you really had to be disciplined with your feet, man, and uh, not guess. If you guess, you're beat. Uh, Percy Arvin was, I've, I've never seen nobody stop on a dime and, and get right back into fifth gear like that guy. Um, yeah, sure. He's an awesome athlete. And then, you know, Tebow was, was, was a dog, you know, coming in as a freshman. So, yeah. um, all those guys brought a lot to the table. Riley Cooper was an animal on special teams, uh, during that time on kickoff. And, you know, uh, one well, Wandy, I think, was a year older than those guys. But no, no, Wandy came, came in with him. So yeah, he was with them. So yeah, Wandy, uh, SEC championship game. You know, what I mean, he runs down there and recovers a, uh, I think it was a punt or something. Yeah, yeah. A punt, uh, Arkansas. So man, those young guys, they really contributed a lot, man. Spikes and Jermaine Cunningham. You know, all those guys, man, were definitely, uh, definitely dogs, man, coming in as freshmen. For sure, man. But definitely, man. With well, you know, let let everybody know what you got going on nowadays, man, and uh, where they can find you at on social media and whatnot. Yeah, man. Like I said, I'm I'm down at uh South Sumter High School, uh, down in Bushnell, Florida, coaching uh linebackers. Um, been there for about eight years. 
Um, you know, we we doing pretty good. We lost to Coco in the semifinals last year, so okay. we got on business, you know what I mean? But um, you know, I'm on Instagram at Earl Every Thirty and the same thing with Twitter. Um Earl Every Thirty as well. But um yeah, that's pretty much what I'm doing now, man. You know, just giving back, you know, to the home team and you know, trying to Girl. you know be a positive role model to role model to these kids. There's few more iconic in-game pitches than you without the helmet, bro. I don't think there's there's no image. I think that better in-game. Like as a Gator fan, dog, I'm a fanatic. I remember where I was when that whole game went down. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's epic, man. So I just want to let you know that it's one of the most epic images, man. I want to get that picture. And I want you to sign it for me, dog. I gotta put you on the spot a little bit. <laughs> no, no, hey, no problem, bro. Anytime, man. I actually, uh, Palm Beach. I'm pretty sure Ahmad is that sign for Palm Beach autographs. Um, but uh, they um, actually sent me about 70 pictures. Uh, I just signed and sent back like, yesterday. Uh, oh, I'm in Palm Beach. Man, Look, I, 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 I ain't bet time like that. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I don't got no. I kind of yeah. Like, just, just, man. just tell them to put two on the house, three in the house. Yeah. Yeah. I, there you uh, go. <laughs> I asked him. Uh, I, I sent him a message earlier in the day. To, uh, can they send me back some extra? You know what I mean? Because I got you know a lot of folks that uh, want some. So I'll definitely put you guys. You know, uh, put 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 a couple aside for you. Yeah, very good. Hey, Thanks, hey, Earl. Before you before you leave, you're you're the first player that we've had that that ever played in in Finland. You know, you played in the NFL for a little while, um, but then you went over and played in Finland. What was that experience like? Terrible. Okay, very good. They're only allowed to have like two or three Americans, you know, per team. Okay. So um, my little brother Carlos, um, he actually was over there too. You know, he played receiver for the NC State commit, but you know, ended up messing up with his grades or whatever. But um. And ended up going to Jackson State, but he was over there before I went. And you know, I was kind of doing you know things on my own. Had to you know I fired my agent and um, was trying to make something happen. You know, without an agent, and went over there and yeah, they was wanting me to be the D coordinator and and. Call your own blitz now. You don't need Charlie to call your blitz. You call your own blitz. That's right. It's an air blitz. I swear. Yeah, I could have did this back home, man. That's right. You know, so so I told the guys basically, I was like, listen, y'all got to send us back home, man. This is not what, you know, so they wasn't going to send us home. So I had to call uh, the head of uh, immigration man and talk to a security guy, and he um, he ended up calling the team, and he called me back that next morning. He said, "You got your flight uh, leaving at like 7:30 in the morning." But so that's pretty much how you know all that went down. But they were still like messaging me on Facebook, "When are you coming back, man? I'm not coming back over there, man. Y'all, y'all, y'all just keep waiting. I'll be there soon." Wait at the airport. Wait at the uh, the cell phone lot. I'll be there. Right, right, right. You'd be it. the first yeah. coach player from UF, bro. You could have no, made history. You could have made history, bro. <laughs> <laughs> 
Earl, thanks so much for coming on this evening. Thanks for chopping it up for so long with us. Um, we'll uh, we'll have you on in the future and uh, and go Gators. Oh, definitely, man. Uh, yeah, definitely. I appreciate you guys, man. You guys have a good one, and thanks for having me on. Absolutely. All right, y'all take care. You too. Bye bye. This is a good show, boys. Yeah, it's pretty freaking fun, right there. Ain't gonna lie to you. For sure, dog. I enjoy right, speak, football speak, talk. For player coach in Finland. <laughs> that might have to be a title, bro. Bro <laughs> <laughs> said they want me to be the. <laughs> I'm calling him Blitz every time for myself. Every single play, I'm calling Blitz for me, bro. The whole huddle, the whole huddle about to be mad at me, bro. Y'all know, y'all know what time it is, bro. I know what time. I'm putting the boys, in, and they got to play man too, so so they got to run around. I'm just blitzing, bro. Just every every play. That's it's like watching time. an eight-year-old play Madden. They just control the one guy. I'm telling you, bro. <laughs> bro. That's hilarious, dog. I'm putting myself in all the good situations. I'm telling like, you, bro. I can blame everybody. And then in film study, you can't tell me nothing, bro. I'm in charge. <laughs> I'm telling you how I go. So how you telling me I'm, I'm wrong, bro? Right. right. The defense. And you got some clout where you get maybe get to run, and run the ball like the one-yard line, get yourself a touchdown every once in a while. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Oh, I can only imagine, bro. All right. So I think we got one more sponsor to shout out. Oh, shout out to the good folks at manscaped.com, man. All of your man grooming needs. Keep them balls intact. Keep the nostrils intact. Holler at my people at manscaped.com for 20% off. Use coupon code SG at checkout. Your balls will thank you. You still got your weed whacker, Dan? I sure do. Hey, they actually just sent me an email that said they're all sold out for a little while. So um, if you want your Weed Whacker, you should order one. It's just going to take four to six weeks longer. I use the Weed Whacker in my ears as well. Oh, do you? Yeah. Ears already, bro? A little bit. You know I mean, he's oh, getting was... old, about. He's not like hey, us. Hey, Sunday is, 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 you know what I'm saying? I don't know if you watch um, the show Insecure, but it's Self-Care Sunday. That's what Sunday okay. is about. It's all about the self-care, man. So... I was doing some self-care yesterday, bro, and I just decided to hit the earlobes. I thought I hit the nostrils with the weed whacker, bro. Very good. Very good. Amai, do you have a word of the week? Yeah, man. Dan, word of the week. Uh, Stepping down, Dan. Stepping down. Yeah, man. I tell you, Dan, man, go step down on her. What that mean? Step down on her. Oh, wow. That's not at all. What? um, Yeah, completely. Uh, Holler at her. Oh damn! You've been in the hood, man. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you've been. Damn, been, been in the hood a little bit. Okay. See, man. I thought when you originally said it, like I thought "step down" was be like, like get out of my face or like, um, you know, stop, stop fronting. Yeah, yeah. To back off. Yeah. Vibe off, vibe a little bit. Yeah. I need you to step down. I, I see. Oh, okay. Oh, very good. Like Why you can't step up to her, bro? Huh? Why you can't step up to her? Nah, bro. You can't step up. Nah. nah I'm step down. No, I turn the shit now. Yeah, down. that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to help you not get canceled, bro. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, I did get canceled. Nah, look, I'm walking on. I'm walking on eggshells, but trying not to get canceled, bro. I'm trying to help you, bro. That's all. I like that one though. I like that one. Yeah, I love it. All right, boys. That was a good show. Yeah, bro. Good show. That might be our longest show. It's up there. Yeah, it definitely felt as long as uh, Titanic. Hey, man, listen, man. I've been going live while I've been at the gym, man. So a couple of y'all, man, y'all can tune in to the show, man. Why y'all at the gym? Go get it in. We should work out it. It's a good, good long show with some content. I love it. All right, Ahmad. It's back on you again. I think you got song of the week, my friend. But did we do uh did we do Lil Baby? Bigger picture? I don't think we've done that one on here. I've done it somewhere. Yeah. I don't think we've done it on here. Yeah, man. Give me a uh, little little baby, bigger picture. Hey, by the way, speaking of Lil Baby, which reminds me of Da Baby, which reminds me of the BET award. You see my boy Wayne hold it down yesterday? Wayne did his thing with the Kobe song. The rest sure of that did. show was I ain't check it out yet. But yeah, that, that, Weezy, Weezy did his thing with the Kobe song for sure. Okay, okay. It seemed, I only watched probably three or four of the performances this morning, but but it seems like it was a uh, a good show. No, Performance-wise. No, it wasn't a good show, I'll be honest. Okay, very good. Yeah. Okay. It was it was a hard watch, man. Most of the people performed from like like they they, they submitted videos. So like I guess because um, they everybody stuff this this is and whatnot, so it's a little weird, but yeah, I wasn't feeling it, man. I ain't finish it. I cut that shit off around right about like. I kind of ain't really want to tune in, bro, because it's, it's weird outside. So I, I know I'm gonna be. Yeah. Able to... I gave it a shot, but Maybe no. next year. Yeah. Well, stop watching now, then. All right. One Close. time, my man, because uh, Tennessee Mike, condolences to him and the family, man. They had a loss of family, so one time for Tennessee Mike, bro. Sure. Give a quick shout out. Oh, an- another one. Uh, Major Wright, his book is coming out. Uh, July 1st, uh, if you didn't pre-order it, um, it, it comes out for everyone else uh, July 1st. I know he wanted to come on the show and whatnot, but we just had a full schedule, so schedule wouldn't allow it, but uh, check out uh, Major Wright's book. Yeah, Gator Nation, let's make my man a bestseller, bro. Let's try to get him on the bestseller list. Go buy that book. Uh, even if you don't read, <laughs> put it on your shelf, my man. I, I already buy Gator Support Gators, man. I already, I already read a little bit of it, man, and it's awesome. It's definitely a read. Um, it puts you up on information that, uh, you know, sometimes, um, you know, as a fan, you want to know. And uh, he, he gives a, a great point of view of a lot of things. So I definitely think you guys should go check it out for sure. Absolutely. Well, same corner, same time next week. Same corner, same time. You know the vibes, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Little baby, take us out. Last night, people protesting in Minneapolis escalated as demonstrators were lashed by tear gas and rubber bullets. The main message here, the main message the here, main message here, is that they want to see those officers involved. They want to see those officers arrested. Officers arrested. Arrest, arrest, arrest. Trade my 4x4 for four GC3, ain't no more freeless D. I gave him chance, a chance, a chance again. I even told him, please. I find it crazy the police to shoot you and know that you did, but still tell you to freeze. Fucked up, I seen what I seen. I guess that mean hold him down if he say he can't breathe. It's too many mothers just grieving. They're killing us for no reason. Been going on for too long to get even. Throw us in cages like dogs and hyenas. I went to court and they sent me to prison. My mama was crushed when they said I can't leave. First I was drunk, then I sobered up quick when I heard all that time that they gave it to leave. He got a license plus. We just some products of our environment. How the fuck they gon' blame us? You can't fight fire with fire, I know, but at least we can turn off the flames on. Huh?
Every color person ain't dumb And all whites not racist I be judging by the mind and heart I ain't really in the faces Fuck though the way that we living is not getting better You gotta know how to survive Crazy I had to tell all of my lovers to carry a gun when they going outside Stay in the mirror whenever you drive Overprotective go crazy for mine You gotta pay attention to the sign Seem like the blind following the blind Thinking about everything that's going on I boost security up in my home I'm with my kind of they right or they wrong I call him now he'll pick up the phone And it's five in the morning he waking up on it Tell him wherever I'm at then they coming I see blue lights I get scared and start running That shit be crazy they post to protect us Swords and handcuffs and arrest us Why they go home at night that shit messed up Knowing we needed help they neglect us One of them who gon' make them respect us I can see in your eye that you fed up Fuck around got my shot I won't let up They know that we a problem together They know that we can storm anywhere else. It's bigger than black and white It's a problem with the whole way of life it Can't change overnight but we gotta start somewhere, might as well go ahead and start here We done had a hell of a year, I'ma make it count why I'm here God is the only man I fear Fuck it, I'm going on the front line, he gon' bust your ass If you come past that gun line, you know when the storm go away Then the sunshine, you gotta put your head in the game when it's crunch time I want all my sons to grow up to be monsters I want all my daughters to show out in public Seem like we losing our country, but we gotta stand up for something So this what it comes to, every video I see on my country I got power now, I gotta say something Corrupted police been the problem where I'm from But I'd be lying if I said it was all of them I ain't do this for the trend, I don't follow them Altercation with the law, had a lot of them People speaking for the people, I'm proud of them Stick together, we can get it up out of them I can't lie like I don't rap about killing and dope But I'm telling my youngest to vote I deal with I diggers, I didn't have no choice and no hope I was forced to just jump in and go This bullshit is all that we know But it's time for a change Got time to be serious, no time for no games Ain't taking no more, let us go for them chains God bless they soul, every one of them names It's bigger than black and white It's a problem with the whole way of life It can't change overnight but we gotta start somewhere, might as well go ahead and start here We done had a hell of a year, I'ma make it count why I'm here God is the only man I fear They training officers to kill us, then shooting protesters with these rubber bullets They regular people, I know that they feel us, these scars too deep, they heal us What happened to COVID, nobody remember, it ain't making sense I'm just here to vent, it happened to one of your people, it's different We get it, the system is wicked, just learn how to pick it Knowledge is power, I swear I'm a witness, I know that I'm gifted I won't go too deep, cause I'm scared they'll get me, ain't scared to admit it Some shit I can't mention, it's people who can't, well here's the chance I won't take the stand, but I'll take a stand for what I believe Must not be breathing the air that I breathe You know that the way that I bleed, you can breathe I never been a fan of police, but my neighborhood know I try to keep peace So it's only right that I get in the streets March for a reason, I just on GP How people die for us to be free, fuck do you mean? This was a dream, now we got the power that we need to have They don't want us with it, and that's why they mad yeah. It's bigger than black and white It's a problem with the whole way of life, it can't change overnight but we gotta start somewhere, might as well go ahead and start here We done had a hell of a year, I'ma make it count why I'm here God is the only man I fear It's bigger than black and white It's a problem with the whole way of life, it can't change overnight But we gotta start somewhere, might as well go ahead and start here We done had a hell of a year, I'ma make it count why I'm here God is the only man I fear